We are brought to you by Boss Bears Supplements. That's Boss Bears Supplements at bossbears.co. Hard work, consistency, and determination are difficult to sustain when your mind and body can't keep up. Fuel your body with what it needs to perform like a boss. Whether you're closing deals, pitching a new business idea, or training in the gym, Boss Bears take your hustle to the next level. Our ingredients are the highest quality with potency and serving sizes that are the gold standard in the industry. Check out all of Boss Bears' products at bossbears.co. They have apple cider vinegar gummies. They have ashwagandha. They have all kinds of supplements in delicious gummy form. They also have them in pill form if you don't want the gummies. I prefer the gummies. They are delicious, and I've tried the apple cider vinegar. They are very good. Uh, use code Nikki at checkout to save 10%. That's bossbears.co, code Nikki. We are brought to you by Clout Power Supplements. Uh, that's K-L-O-U-T-P-W-R.com. Uh, so here I have the uh, protein, the cravings protein from Clout. Uh, this one is the salted caramel. This is some of the best protein that I've ever had in my life. It's actually delicious. Um, I, I like the salted caramel and the cinnamon swirl are my two favorites. Uh, also, their pre-workouts are amazing. So they have the Karma Nootropic pre-workout. It's a nootropic and focused pre-workout. It's a lower stimulant formula, zero itch formula. It has four trademark ingredients and it's fully has fully dosed ingredients. Uh, so far, I, the Arctic Cherry is probably my favorite of the Karma pre-workout. Also, try the Nero Aminos from them. And also the High Stimulant Mamba is some of my favorite too. And I really like the Arctic Cherry of that one. So go to cloutpower.com and use code Nikki to save 15%. K-L-O-U-T-P-W-R.com. Code Nikki to save 15%. Okay, okay everybody, welcome, welcome to the Nikki Free Podcast. Um, I'm here with some uh, some athletes today. You guys want to go around and introduce yourself and uh, give a little bit of your background. Uh, Becky, I know, has a Muay Thai background and now doing some refereeing. So, um, And Josh, you have uh, boxing and... Yes, boxing and kickboxing and karate and i grew up in a martial arts family business so okay awesome right right very cool right now i currently love boxing okay so boxing is kind of like your thing right now yeah yeah okay yeah what about for you kim so i love boxing kickboxing i love playing with muay thai i love promoting i love coaching i do all those things do all of it and you guys are all part of the queen's dojo Yes. And that's in Seattle? Yes, in South Lake Union. Okay, and so this is a relatively new gym that opened up, correct? Yes. Okay, sick. So when did the gym open? We opened in May, and we're actually not a full gym. We are renting out space currently. Ah. Yes. So we are renting out space, and we are currently teaching semi-private group sessions in Seattle. Okay, and you guys teach like Muay Thai, boxing, kickboxing? We teach striking overall, yes. So, okay, so... um. And how many people do you have so far? We have about 25 people. Okay, dope. Very yeah. cool. So how did this all come together? How did, it, how did the Queen's Dojo start? Um, well, it initially was supposed to be something that Josh and I opened up 
during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, we ended up meeting in like 2019, February of 2019. And quite interestingly enough, we were, um, well, him and his brother had came out to Seattle and we were from looking Texas, at, we heard, yeah. Yes, from Texas, yeah. from Lubbock, Texas. Okay. <laughs> and we ended up looking at spaces and we looked at, you know, things that we wanted to do. And at that time we were like, okay, this is great. We're going to come back and we're going to get together. And it was quite literally February 19th. And I think the COVID protocols took place like in March. So you guys had met each other. You, you had a similar interest. You were thinking about getting together with your both your talents to start something. Yeah. And then COVID hit. Yeah, and we were actually considering doing it way before that, but um, we met in 2017. Okay. And I was actually flying out to Texas to meet my sister, and she was going to Texas Tech at the time, because if you know Lubbock, Texas Tech is a thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so I ended up going out there to go and spend some time with my sister, kind of an emergency situation, and I was getting ready for a fight like two weeks afterwards, and I was like, how am I going to do this? And so I was like, I guess I'm just gonna have to pop into the closest gym. And I ended up popping into Lubbock Boxing Club where I met Josh. And you had a fight, what kind of fight was it? It was a boxing. So you had a boxing match coming up. Yeah. Uh, so, and you were not planning on going to Texas, it just kind of happened. No, I was definitely not but planning on going to Texas. But you still, okay, yeah, but you still had this fight. Uh, yeah. You had the obligation. Yeah. So you're like, okay, what can I do? So you find this gym. And then you run into Josh. And so how did, how did that go then? So um, I ended up going to the gym and I was just trying to find, you know, a, a few bags to work on and maybe get some work in. And I think that Josh was coaching or doing something. He was probably doing a private. And I was talking to their front desk guy and kind of grilling down on <laughs> what I wanted. <laughs> right, right. So you're trying to find like, hey, I'm here. I'm from out of town. This is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and so you run into Josh. Josh, give us a little background of you. So you grew up in Texas. Uh, so I, I was born in Texas. I grew up yeah. actually in San Diego. So my family has two businesses, one in San Diego that we've had for 39 years. And okay. that one was about, uh, my dad started that one uh, as a karate studio. Nice. And that expanded into kickboxing, boxing. And, and so your family has always been in martial arts. Yeah, my parents met at a karate tournament. Uh, back in the 1988, I believe. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. and my mom was beating up somebody. That's like the Cobra Kai scenes yeah, exactly. in real life. <laughs> 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 I, I lived it for sure, yeah. Yeah, man, uh, And then about 15 years ago, we opened up a boxing gym in Texas, which is where our family's from. Okay. And, and that's where I was at for the last, like, eight, nine years, where I met Kim. And that's primarily boxing and kickboxing there. And so then what brought you here? Kim. <laughs> ah, so you decided to move here for that specific reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our family's businesses have been set pretty well, been established, and I was ready. I was ready to just do my own thing. Gotcha. In Texas, we have a, a boxing team that's highly competitive, uh, all the way up to like a national level. It's amateurs right now. Okay. And um, that was my only hindrance with leaving. But once our team was established with our coaches taking over, then I was. So that was probably pretty scary leaving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, yeah. when you've been there your whole life and everything, yeah. and all your family's there. Yeah. Um, so now, what did you guys end up doing during the pandemic then, since you couldn't do your plans? So, because we're obviously Washington and they're Texas, 
they were open like a month after COVID. <laughs> so did you just go to Texas? No, I didn't go oh. to Texas. <laughs> I have kids. <laughs> right, I can't right. just up and leave. But he ended up, it was great for him because he could stay and work and do what he wanted to do out there. Their teams were still competing and training. Yeah. We were like, and I mean, you know, we were all in lockdown for a good Everyone was locked down. Yeah, I'd go home to visit Iowa and they're like, well, we're chill here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you go there with a mask and they'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it was such different uh, environments. And even as I went back to go visit recently um, in Lubbock, I think a couple weeks ago, the, the idea and the environment and the social norms are so black and white from Washington. It's crazy. Really? In Texas? Oh, it's so, I mean, he, like, we laugh about this, but I got off the plane and I drove by. He's like, oh, that's where the Trump rally grounds are. And I was like, posting it up on my Instagram and people were like, what? You know, like, like, yeah, yeah, they love it. I mean, that's how Iowa is too. So, yeah. yeah. No, I get it. So that, what's, what's really different about it? About Texas? Yeah, just everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> they like to shoot a lot of guns. Dude, they like to shoot a lot of guns. They are, it's kind of like New York with a country attitude. Right. So it's still got the big kind of vibe or like... Yeah, I mean, like, people are friendly, but they're not really friendly, like... Oh, like New York as in, like, hey, get out of the fucking way. Yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, like, pickup trucks and oh stuff. Oh, my God, like, their normal size pickup truck is, like, an extended size for me. I'm, like, looking at it, and he goes, like, that's normal. And I'm, like, how is that normal? That thing's huge, you know? Right. So it, it was crazy because the environment, again, totally different. I remember ordering food for Josh, and I joke around about this all the time, but... You know, you order pancakes and eggs and bacon or whatever, and you're thinking you're going to take home a small styrofoam container of food. I mean, not styrofoam, because again, we're in Washington, so nobody really uses styrofoam out here. Right. But in Texas, it's still a thing. So you, you walk out, and I literally took his to-go order, and it was like a monster 10-people tray of pancakes yeah. and a styrofoam container of like pan or like the eggs and bacon. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, who is this for? A family of five? But that's like their normal serving size, right? And if yeah. you like got food like that out here, you'd be charged like a hundred bucks. Oh like, yeah, like food trucks are crazy out here. Right, yeah. it was like fifteen bucks out there, and it was like literally two huge ass containers. I was like, damn. Dang. Yeah. They got it good out there. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, all that food and yeah. just like yeah, because here you like order one thing on a food truck and it's like thirty dollars and it's like the yeah. smallest portion ever. And but it's bougie, right? But it's, like, bougie, yeah. Depends yeah. on, you know, what food truck and everything. Dude, and their glasses of, like, tea, I felt like I was drinking, like, an extra large Big Gulp every single time. Right. Because it was, like, your water glasses were literally the size of my face. Okay. It was nuts. But, I mean, outside of the food, and the, the people are super friendly and sweet, but it's just a totally different environment because... You know, I went out there, and I think I was drinking before, like, noon on a couple of different days, and I was like, this is not normal, but, you know, you kind of... Day drinking? Yeah. I mean, like those country music songs say? Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's very stereotypical. <laughs> so, Josh, what's different here for you, then, coming from Texas? Um, the people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did it take you a while to uh, warm up to the people? I think that, so, like, going to Texas... For me, going there, it's like the people are very friendly. I, I know Kim was saying that you know they're, they're kind, but they're very friendly people. They legitimately want to know how your day is. Right. Like yeah. If you're you're checking out at a grocery store, the the clerk legitimately is asking how your day is, and mm -hmm. then if you ask them how they are, they'll tell you like what's going on. You know, yes. Like Johnny at home and why he's messing up in school and right. you know and that's not I mean that's very normal. Like we landed at the airport and we bumped into a gentleman. 
who saw her outfit, I think she had some kickboxing stuff on. He was yeah. asking us some questions, and then turns out that his grandson trains at our boxing gym there in Lubbock. Okay. And so we started talking stories, and we you know, take a picture with him, and it's just, you know, that's just the nature of everybody out He's there. like a celebrity in Lubbock. <laughs> no. I feel like, yeah, that reminds me of, like, that's like how the Midwest is, you know, it's like, it, it was just everybody's just, friendly and shit, yeah. you know, yeah. It's just kind, like, you know, the, the people are friendly. And then what are people like out here? Uh, I've had more mean mug looks at my direction than I had out there. So when I went yeah. from San Diego to Texas, I was, you know, I was believing that I was going to deal with a lot of racial tension there going to Texas from San Diego, you know, San Diego right. is a more laid-back community. But you didn't get that. No. And then when I came here, I thought, oh, people are going to be chill. But the, the looks that I received at times, you know, even standing next to Kim, it's very interesting mm. that people still look at you very like, why are you two together? Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've been scowled at by many people. <laughs> <laughs> Where in Texas, every ways that you're driving and, right. you know, they, they acknowledge your presence as like, Hey, how are you? You know, versus here, I've noticed people just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it's a different vibe out here, depending, like, where you're at and everything, for sure. But that's where, like, it's special about our gym, though, is because we, 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 Kim and I, really care about who comes to us to train, right? And the community that we're a part of has attracted a lot of unique, eclectic people. So you you can, uh, you know, build that kind of your own community. So, like, you lead by example, and then you create that vibe. So it's like... Yeah, that is weird. I I don't even notice it out here, but um, it is funny because I'll, like, look at pictures of some of my, like, friends and stuff on Facebook back home, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's so white. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I, like, I don't realize how, like, my friend group here has gotten so, you know, because you don't, I don't know, I don't really think of it that much. You know what I mean? I just, like, I, I'm one of those people, like, I individually, like, I just like a person. Yeah. And then you, before long, you just have this friend group. And it is weird because I, I don't notice it until, like, all of a sudden I'll, like, look at, a, a, like, a group photo of some friends or family back home. I'm like, oh, my God, they're all white. <laughs> and it's, like, weird, man. You know? Yeah. Uh, but they're, I think they're, same thing in Iowa. They're pretty, uh, pretty kind and open and nice for the most part. I mean, I, like, me and Becky have talked about that before. Like, there's some weird things about small towns yeah. in the Midwest yeah. as well, you know, like. Yeah kind of old-fashioned stuff sometimes that can be kind of shitty, but I don't know, but they do have that nice, like, kindness thing. Like, if you're on the side of the road, they'll definitely pull over and help you. That's Whereas here, I don't think they would. <laughs> you know, they're like, which, I mean, they'd probably be scared to. I get it. You know, you don't know who. They'd help me. Yeah. I mean, you think so? Oh, I know so. I've, like, been stranded on the side of the road. And, and someone's yeah, come and helped you? A couple guys come running out, you know. <laughs> But again, I said they'll help me because I'm a girl. You're a girl. Yeah, I was going to say, what's their intention? (laughs) They were generally really nice guys. But the one thing that was really interesting about Texas that I do have to say is that whenever I would be standing next to Josh or if people knew that I came out to Texas with Josh, they wouldn't talk to me. Really? Like, men would not talk to me. They would not make eye contact with me. They, oh, because like, they, like, have it where it's, like, It's, oh, like, so old taken. school yeah. that, they, like, you know, old Mexican culture, too, right? Yeah. But they they would not make eye contact, would not say hi to me without, like, Josh being around. It was fucking weird. Okay. That's <laughs> interesting. That's interesting. So you guys kind of bonded over your love of, like, uh, mixed martial arts, basically, huh? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Is that or not really? I mean, I mean, martial arts, yes, for sure. For sure. For sure. Okay. Most definitely. Well, the funny thing is that the first time that um, I ended up walking into Lubbock, and I was talking about who I trained with here. And he was like, oh, well, and he said, but, you know, my favorite fighter, and he happens to be best friends with my my favorite female fighter. So he ended up capturing a video of her, and she was wishing me luck on my very first fight. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. You know, and right. I was so excited because I was like, how did he, like, and it was just such a random place to meet somebody who would know who we know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it was just, yeah. So we ended up bonding over that, but we just stayed connected and that's cool, that's cool. And so then how long before you decided, you moved out here then? Um, so while I was in Texas, I had start, my family had our boxing gym there, and I broke off and kind of opened up my own little club that was geared more towards uh, traditional martial arts as opposed to just teaching boxing. We had a, a big group of people that wanted to do traditional martial arts with me, so I broke off and did that for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ended up going kind of sour because of my, my business partner at the time, but... Okay, you had a bad run-in with another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, that happens when people go into business, yeah. like and with a friend, or yeah. it, it, it just came down to misunderstanding and communication. Like that's what right, we right. completely were off base with understanding that the expectations were of each other. Yeah, Kim, Kim during that time was actually really supportive of you know helping me go through that mess that I was in, or making sense of it, kind making of, sense of it, yeah. and telling me like, hey, this is where you messed up. And I was like, ah. Oh. Okay, lesson learned. Like, I don't know what else to do with it other than move forward. And at that time, we had already kind of played with the idea of moving out this direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, my my, resi- my resistance at that time was uh, I had a, uh, I was in a relationship that I had been there for about six years, five years. Uh, that can be hard out. sometimes, yeah, yeah. And then uh, her daughter's become my daughter through just our time together. So right. for me, it was like, am I going by myself or is this a family thing? And then... You know, she ended up getting into law enforcement, and now she's there permanently. And we decided that we split directions as far as goals and what we're looking for. And right. uh, once I was ready for that and accepted that, and my team was established, because that was my biggest thing. I had built up a boxing team that's pretty solid there. And um, through my work there with our team, I got onto the board of directors for USA Boxing for West Texas. And, and through that, uh, we were able to get um, some big tournaments established. And so a lot of this was happening during COVID because mm-hmm. people weren't doing anything, but we were. And um, I eventually, once all of that was good to go, I was ready to book it. Uh, but I did yeah. do a little detour to San Diego for a few months. Yeah. Uh, my you brother, have other family there still? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my yeah. siblings, uh, my brother and sister have taken over our business there. Okay, yeah. sick. Okay, so you had to go visit them for yeah, a while. Yeah, for a little bit. Try to help them a little. And then you come here, it's during the pandemic. Just post, at the end of it. Post uh, pandemic. Post pandemic. Oh, so after kind of is when you moved finally. He would have gone crazy if he had come during the pandemic. He'd be yeah. like, what the hell? Especially in <laughs> Texas. Yeah, we had some more freedom. <laughs> you wouldn't have lasted a second. Hey. Kim, Kim was laughing because I would post up to wear a fight. And she was like, what are you doing? Oh, like, we've been training, we've been sparring, yeah. like, no masks. I don't know. Like, we're just going for it. And here we were like insane. Yeah. yeah. So when, when we got here, you know, it was kind of. I kind of hit the ground running with Cam and trying to figure out, like, are we opening up a physical gym? Are we just building it out? Are we just training to figure out if this works? And So at this point, you found a building. You're able to just, like, work out of there. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you'll probably find something else and open a bigger gym, huh? Is yeah, that... for sure. Right. And uh, so then how did you guys meet up with Becky? Oh, well, you know, Becky's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right. <laughs> Yeah, Becky's great. So so Becky um, and I ended up meeting through T3MA. Right. Is that how we met? Yeah. 
So I had decided that I was going to play around with promoting fights. Yes. So when did you start promoting? I started promoting, I want to say 2021. Was it 2021? 2022. And how did you first... 21, yeah. So did you put on a show then? I did. I put on a show and I ended up having Becky come out. She was great. So it was interesting because when you promote fights as a female fight or promoter, it's very interesting. It's yeah. different. It's a different beast. Um, and so Becky was one of the teams that I had reached out to, and she was really great to work with. Her and Deb actually helped out quite a bit in right. terms of getting people connected and getting me um, fighters for my first card. And yep. <clears throat> she ended up cornering Deb and just working with me through some logistics. And then the second time around that I threw the same fights at the same location, which was at Hales Ales, just so no longer there. That wasn't like the fight I was at, was it? That I went and saw Deb fight? So if you saw... Um, I don't know. Did you go to Hales Ales? Yeah. Yeah, so it would have been So that would have been your, that was mine. yours. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was at one of those. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so they played uh, Deb's music wrong. Like, they played the wrong music. Oh, that was up in Bellingham. Oh, so that was a different yeah, one. No, Hales Ales is in Seattle. Bellingham's a very different place. Really? I'm pretty sure I was at Hales Ales. <laughs> I think I was at both. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. Mine wasn't the one that was playing the wrong music. I can tell you. Because I remember it was in a beer place, like, like that wasn't working because the pandemic. No. Right? No, that wasn't mine. Oh, that wasn't it. So this is a different one I'm thinking. Because I know, it, I was so excited about Death's Walkout music, I know it wasn't playing. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't she using wet ass pussy? <laughs> <laughs> That was it. That right. was it. I was the, bit, song, the song I sent to her was actually the, the edited version. I was like, what the I fuck? Was like, I was like, isn't this a family-friendly event? <laughs> yeah, because the, the edited version is kind of weird. Right, yeah. she sent to me the edited version, and I was like, so here's the thing, though. It was like her <laughs> opponent came out to the, or the Y crew. So yeah. it was great because <laughs> Deb ended up coming out to What Us Pussy from you know, Cardi. So I'm like, hell yeah, this is going to be great. And I had it as, my, uh, as her main card. I believe she was the main card, right? Yeah. Or she the co-main? She was main card. Right. And so it was great because I was like, that's my girl. <laughs> yeah, she was representing with the Cardi B for sure. Right. Yeah, so this was a different one. But so, so your, your event went pretty good? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. yeah. And it, that it, gave you confidence to do more probably. Right. Like the first one, like, you know, so when I initially did it, it wasn't supposed to be an outside event. It was supposed to be just something that we were messing around with like internally and then it got into this thing of like, oh, let's invite this person, let's invite this person. The next thing you know, like it was crazy because, you know, most of these events are somewhere between like 12 and 15 fights or bouts and um, I ended up having, I think that one was 15 but it was scary because I did that in like less than two months. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was like, like legit, most people take a little bit of time to put these shows on, and that like that first fight was 15, 15 bouts. Right into the fire, yeah. Right into the fire. And so the next time around, I was like, hey, I really like Becky a lot, and yes. I think she was really cool to work with, and she was just super easy, no bullshit, and she, I mean, she was just on point. Right. And so the next time I had her come out, and I was like, hey, I want you to come out and ref. Yes. And she did such a great job refing, and... You know, you can always tell, like, the kind of energy that you attract, and she's just cool shit. So, yeah. you know, from there, I ended up <laughs> having her come out and, you know, do some work and just kind of stayed connected and talked or spoke over a period of time. And I ended up having her come in corner with me on one of my guys' fights. Okay. And from there, I was like, 
I'm kidnapping you wherever you are. Yeah, you wanted her on the team. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, Becky's great. So, right? She, she doesn't, doesn't like when people say that. <laughs> I know. Her face is like all red. It's about as red as this, this wall right so here. So that's been... <laughs> how long, Becky, has it been since you went over with, with these guys? Like, what, a couple of years now? Or a year? Um, it's been almost a year. Yeah. It's going to say yeah, a year sounds right. Yeah. Well, since I was at the Queen's Dojo, yeah. um, we've been working together yeah. I'd probably say since that first fight. Yeah, so yeah. March. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so you've been kind of getting more into the refing lately, huh? Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunately because I, I can't fight anymore. Yeah. 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 Which I think when when I talked to you last time on here, were you still talking about fighting or not? I yeah. think you were still a little yeah. bit. I had her matched up on one of my or one of my last cards, so yeah, we, we were definitely wanting her to fight. Yeah. We were getting her ready to fight, but then yeah. Was that a hard decision to make? To, um, or yes just or, yes naturally kind of yes happen? No. Yeah. Yes and no. Right. Um, I think, you know, I'm 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 38. Same age as Are me. Are you really? Yeah, yeah. I'm 38. God, we're just young 38 know, year olds. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think had it had it been like 10 years ago, one I would have I would have argued. You would have been like, um, no. Yeah. No, <laughs> you <laughs> argue? Yeah, yeah. I would have argued. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, if I went to a doctor right car. now and they yeah. were like, you can't lift weights anymore, I'd be like, get the, f I'm like, I'm seeing another doctor immediately, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> I mean, it'd be different if I, you know, didn't feel good. I guess I, it, you know, you got to listen to doctors, but I would say get a second opinion too, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean. But um, you know if this, you know yeah, what's right. I, I knew You'll feel it. It's kind of an ongoing issue, and I guess that was kind of like the affirmation that, yeah, you probably shouldn't and you should, that anymore. Right. And it's like you kind of know when you're ready, and you should be good with what you've done. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so, so you know, yeah. and it's like you know when you know, and, and you'll feel, you should feel right about it. So. Yeah. And uh, then you can move into doing some other doing things. Some other things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And I get, again, I have. Thank well, that's that. remember, like I had Barb Honchik on here, yeah, and she she was like she just knew when she was done, and mm -hmm. she's like, well, I knew when I was done, and I was done, and it just felt right, you yeah. know, like she could have kept going and tried more too, you know, yeah, but for what now, what cost? Right, yeah. right, that's what she was like. I'm I'm good with what I've done, so yeah, yeah. so that's cool. So how has refing been going? Uh, good. Yeah. Um, I'd like to do more. And refing is, sort of, for the people listening, like, refing is not easy. So, refing and officiating are two totally different things. So, she's yeah. a, a, she's refed at one of my events, and she is um, transitioning into an officiating role as well. So, those are two totally different things. And so, what's the difference? Go ahead, Josh. Oh. Yeah, since <laughs> Josh grew up with this. You know. I mean, he, he has only officiated over 300 fights, so yeah, it's like... He's not that many. Okay. Oh, so you've been Probably. an official in 300 fights? No, it's a bit... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, dude, that's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. yeah. So uh, the refing is the, the is what is considered the third person in the ring, right? So the ref is the That's what I was thinking ref. of, is refing. Right. So I'm, yeah, 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 now you're going to explain officiating. The judging officiating component is where you're actually scoring the fight. Right? Oh, so, so, totally different. Yeah, two different roles. Yeah. Totally uh, you know, I, I, I have not done any of the refing stuff. Uh, I tend to get too excited in there myself. So, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. fidgety and I'm moving. I'd probably get hit. So, you now, know, has anybody ever wanted to, like, beat you up after uh, judging? I've had a lot of cussing out. And have you ever uh, <laughs> judged a fight and then actually thought you were wrong later? Yes. 
Yes. And been like second guess. Horrible. <laughs> so how do you how do you um how do you like make sure that doesn't happen? So one, we were overworked for that specific event. We're judging uh, under USA Boxing is pretty pretty strict as far as like if we have twelve fights, I'm not gonna judge off twelve fights. I might do like three, right? At that specific match, I did all of them because had I not judged, there. So that's like a fatigue factor. Yeah. Uh, though uh, at the national level for judging, what they have is a system like a computer system where they'll track how on you are with scoring according to everybody else that's scoring that fight. Mm-hmm. And if your percentages start jumping or dropping down, they'll shift you out and let you take a break, an hour break or two, and then right. bring you back on. Uh, the judging part of it, you know, I, I I feel pretty confident with it. Like I I know what to I know what to look at in scoring wise. So I you know even the interactions I've had with people when they were not appreciating my call or my you know giving the other person the win you know how to be a professional and you have to kind of be that sometimes yeah. like where like you just have to be like you have to be the bad guy sometimes yeah. i'm sure and you have to remain neutral like you know being in west texas my family's business is there so i know all the coaches i know all the that's got to be tough to stay neutral yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know we got to not be biased towards anybody that we know obviously uh, or somebody that you don't like right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know and i've you know i've I've had people who I'm very close to, and I've not given them their their fighter of the fight, and they're like, "Why not?" Like, well, because he didn't win. <laughs> I mean, the right. punch has to land. It's not a slapping game. And you have to take it really serious, yeah. don't you? Because yeah. it really matters. It's part. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have that, then yeah. none of it means anything. You know? and, and on the coaching side of it, like we've been on the receiving end of bad calls, and we're like, these judges shouldn't have been in that position scoring that because now you just rob this kid's experience. You know? Yeah. He, so bad judges can be bad right. too, then. And so. with, with the the uh, refing side of it, like you know, I haven't, like I said, I haven't done any of that uh, in that component of it. Um, that's that's a different world. I, I want to transition into that myself, um, but I'll have to get involved. So, how do you ensure that you're a good official? That you're good. I mean, like, what is it? Just come with time, and like you said, following certain rules and strict procedures that you have, so that you know you're being impartial and fair. Yeah. So the. Like with USA Boxing's rules and for judges, it's it's like we have a thick manual of information to understand what you're looking at, right? Yep, we yep. really want you to communicate, and that's not just like I'm scoring a point, like a like we're just scoring fights, watching it. My role in the judging side of it is under that banner is we're setting up the you know, making sure the ring is set up, making sure that you know the the fighters have their tape on or their wraps, you know. Yeah, check the wrists and everything. Yeah, we're we're interacting. Check for foreign yeah. objects. <laughs> we do. You got to check for. That's everything. like pro wrestling. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that, and then enforcing the rules, you know, making sure that coaches are not being abusive towards their fighters, cussing out their kids in the corner. You know, there's things that we got to have standards so that everybody can fairly compete. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, we kind of jump around. Like I'll I'll do the scorekeeping. Right, as a judge, and then I'll have to do the timekeeper, or you know, I'll document who won in their booklet or who lost, and you know. So you kind of split up the work so that everybody's kind of fresh. You're not right. you're not fatigued when you're making right. these really important decisions on right. fights, and okay, so there's yeah, because that's I don't know. I feel like that's something that's so important we don't really talk about when we get into like watching UFC or fighting, or, and it's funny because even um even in like WWE, which is a worked sport people have no idea how hard the refereeing is and how important it is. Yeah. Because, like, even though it's a work sport and it's, like, a, a you know, predetermined thing and it's a show, like, the officials have so many jobs that people don't know about. And also, they have to present them like they're real officials. So, like, 
if they're you know, you know what I'm saying well because then it makes otherwise it takes you out of like uh, suspension of disbelief so like when the ref so the refs in WWE even have to have like such authority like you can't not listen to the ref if he's counting you know like there's because if you take that away then it just takes away all believability you know what I mean so so I imagine in a, in a real sport it's like even more important It's really interesting too though, especially from the promotion standpoint, what you see and even as a coach or as a fighter, you watch some of the shows that are put on and the same, you know, promoter who's the promoter is also the coach who's also (laughs) the ref who's also you know, like you've seen some of these shows and you're like, What the actual fuck? And wonder how people decide that they want to go do those things because if you think about it, right, even with what Josh just said, like if you're watching movement constantly and your inability to see something after three or four fights, right? Because that's like... Just fatigue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because your eyes are going to go, yeah. right? Much like anything else and the energy level and the ability to capture something or to understand, you know, what an illegal movement looks like mm-hmm. and then to be able to stop that, all of those things come into play. And when you think about it, it really puts fighters' safety... Yeah. It's also about their safety, too, right? right? It should be about their safety. Yeah. Like, you should be able to go in there and execute what you want to execute within the parameters that are given mm-hmm. without having to feel like you're going to create an unsafe place for, you know, the athletes to be able to... Right, or if compete. there's something wrong with the fighter, the ref has to be able mm-hmm. to, like, tell the other person, like, you know, this is... Yeah. Yeah. They can see it maybe before the other person does, and if they don't know it and they're coming to, like you know, hit them or kick them or do something if the, you know, the ref can stop it before that happens if they know something's mm-hmm. off or wrong. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, that's important stuff. So how has it been going for you, Becky? Um, it's, been, it's been good. Um, yeah. I haven't, I haven't um, refereed a fight in a while, but... Uh, yeah. I think I saw you ref, right? Um, you, you saw me... At, you just see me, yes, you just see me referee. I officiated a fight. I judged a fight. Yes. Um, under WKA. Um, so what do you what kind of what do you have to go through to get like certified in that? Um, Is that the right word even certified? Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a it's an intensive, just right. Like uh, some of them do a, a day a whole day of training. Yes. Um, where it's kind of classroom, um, and then it's kind of like a simulated thing. Yep. And then a lot of simulation you're, stuff. You're so being you... judged on your ability to. Mm you know, see what's happening between two fighters. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, so yeah, so it's, it's a big job to take on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, And it's a cool way for you to stay ingrained in this sport that you love. Yeah. Because it's like in you, right? I mean, this is like, you're, you're so passionate about it. Yeah. So it's like you get, and I'm sure you're helping a lot of students too. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, she yeah, is. You yeah, you're yeah. still train. You're still helping train, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. She's one of our coaches. Yeah. For definitely. Sure. Definitely. <laughs> so now with the promotion stuff, Kim, was that like? Do you uh, how how do you go about like getting people interested in selling tickets and getting people to come? Is that like? It's a whole. Like, what do you do? Do you go around like hanging up posters? Do you no. like? Social media. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how do you do it? Um, So I have a pretty good group of people that, um, I wouldn't say, I don't know, following is not the right word. Uh, You already have a good following. I have a really good group. I mean, I'm born and raised in Seattle. And so, yeah, so you already kind of have people around that know your reputation. They know what you're, that you uh, 
are good or you're good at what you do and then you're probably surrounding yourself with other good people like putting your team yeah. together yeah and it all just kind of builds together right so that's why when you met becky it's like okay i can see that she's the same thing like she's surrounded oh, yeah. by good people mm -hmm. she has quality so she's going to bring other quality people into this mix and then is it hard to get people interested in going out to see a fight not in seattle probably not i mean i think it is for some people it definitely isn't for me like for me with event planning and getting people to show up has never really been an issue okay. like it wouldn't so. matter if it was like in finance if it was in fitness if it was in anything like i can put on an event and i can make sure that you can make sure that people are I have so what are you, what's the tricks how do you do that <laughs> you know um, so i can't give away the secrets <laughs> i actually have no issues giving away the secrets it's just a lot of hustle it's hustle it's a yeah. lot of hustle like always making sure that people you know it's funny i was having this conversation with somebody the other day about how i could say that i'm throwing a fight but people still need to hear me say hey i would love for you to buy a ticket yeah you know like i could put the links in my bio i could say hey purchase the tickets here that wouldn't be enough for people to feel like they have like they can go and purchase a ticket like right. they literally need to feel like they're wanted there yeah and they need to feel like they're welcomed and you can put a link you can say hey buy tickets now nobody would buy a fucking ticket yeah right but the ability to reach out to people to connect people he gives me so much shit for being on social media but but you have to be right. but you have to be like if, if you are in the game of bringing people together you have to be on social media because mm -hmm. there's no way i mean nobody's picking up the phone and calling each other anymore nobody's no. text messaging no. right so you have to get the massive amounts of people through social media yeah. outreach so it's like as much as we maybe hate social media it's just such a dude social media is like it's, a full-time job it's it's there i mean it is yeah. you have to be on it all the time right like it's crazy and i think that the biggest difference too though so like you go to fights and we've been to plenty of fights where Dude, the crowds are fucking crazy. Like, you go from one extreme to another, and I'm like, holy shit. Well, and you, you make sure there's, like, food and alcohol at all these, right? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. gotta have that. That's how you promote. <laughs> that's how you get people in. It's like, they, that's what they want. They want to see some people hit each other, and they want to eat some good food. Right. And they want to drink and have a good time. And but you know what's crazy is that we, like, out of all the shows that I've thrown, we have always had the most incredible crowd. Like, the people that follow us and come to our shows yeah. are the most supportive, even of the opposite, you know. The people yeah. that they don't like. Or, yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean, of their opponents and whatever else. We literally have amazing people that show up. It's like a shared love, like I said, for a thing, right? That you all love. Whatever. It's not like that with most fights. Yeah, I mean, yeah, halfway halfway through the show, people know, be people, start people to leave. leave after they see their yeah. person. Yeah, like I will literally have people come from the start and stay to the very end. And it's nice because you know not only are they staying for that amount of time, but even at Hale's Ales when we threw our fights there, they were like, we've had the most alcohol sales. And we yeah. haven't had one incident, which is oh, insane. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's hard to do. Right. Because usually alcohol means people want to fight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had that happen uh, at uh, Deb's fight, the one, I don't know, maybe Definitely he's, maybe he's listening. <laughs> that dude she was hanging out with for a while, he was, like, trying to fight everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you remember that. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. It's like, and uh, yeah. it was our buddy Jason, remember? He tried to get into it with Jason. I was like, actually, Jason's like a legitimate fighter, bro. Like, you might want to <laughs> like say what you want about the guy, but he's yeah, like he's, gonna put you down. he's won some tournaments and shit. Like, he's yeah. he's legit. Yeah. 
So he was actually on my other buddy uh, Eddie Lowry's podcast, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's Jason!" Yeah, he because um, he he trains at um. Where's he, he training? Goes all, he goes kind of all over. Um, yeah. He goes to a lot of jujitsu tournaments in Las Vegas. And right. He's there, he's but I mean, he's often. gotten like second or won a couple tournaments, right? Yeah, I mean, he's like, yeah. He's, 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 <laughs> That's why when like that little fighter. dude was like, I'm yeah. like, I don't know if he should be fucking with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He kept it together, but. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of unassuming. He's um, very unassuming. That's yeah. why I could see it'd be easy for a guy to want to like get into it with him. Yeah. But I was thinking like the stuff I know about him, I'm like, I don't know if you want to do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's different. Like that's one thing about like martial arts is like, it doesn't matter how big, if somebody has certain training, yeah. you know, they could like mess somebody up. Yeah. I mean, but that's also why it's called a discipline, right? Yeah. He doesn't go around trying to beat people up. Not at all. Not at all. Around, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's kind of, that's, the that's why that dude, uh, yeah. I don't, we won't say his name, but sure. I can't wait to he, find out he, he always kind of annoyed me. Cause it's like, yeah, why are you acting like this? Cause to me, that means you're like coming from a place of insecurity. Yeah. Cause you're like, you're, you're overdoing everything. Bro. Overcompensating like, for yeah. other things. But whatever. That was Deb. We'll blame yeah. Deb for that. Sure. It's her fault. <laughs> if she's watching, yeah. oh, she's she'll watch know it. exactly what we're talking yeah. about. She brings yeah. out the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all your fault. We love you, Deb. Deb. <laughs> but uh, no that's good so you haven't had a lot of like drama at your stuff mm -mm. so like you don't ever have to like you know get your fighters to like do drama things do you like no try I mean, to sell fights this is because <laughs> that's what i would do <laughs> i'd want them all to be like little conor mcgregor's just like, <laughs> drama and shit this isn't wwe <laughs> i know that's my problem that's, that's where i came from that's all i know you gotta sell so the wild. drama. It's so wild. It, you know what's weird about WWE though too? Like the refs in that, it's the same thing. Like they are the ones that have to like step in and protect people too. Yeah. Like if somebody, like if a move happens and somebody's like actually hurt, mm -hmm. like they're the one that has to stop the other guy from doing more, you know, damage or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, you're right. Refs, refereeing is a lot about safety. I think. Oh, it is. Yeah. But that's why like Becky's perfect for that role. You ever have to mix it up with anybody? Get in there? No. No. No, no I mean... <laughs> Throw them I, off I've somebody? I've some little kid fights, and sometimes... Those are probably more dangerous. Yeah. 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 Little kids can be savage. Uh, yeah. yeah. But not only that, but... So it's it kind of crazy that you say that, because roughing little kids is a lot more stressful than roughing adults. Yeah. Like, especially as a promoter watching kids... Like, there's so much on the line there that the experience, the parents, the, the teacher, like the coaches, all of that. And then just the experience of those little guys are such a big ordeal yeah. that if you do not have the right refs in, and I learned this the fucking hard way. Yeah. If you do not have the right refs in, you will feel your soul leaving your body. Yeah. And like, parents are, like, really protective of kids oh, and stuff, too. Mm. So like. Dude, I will tell you that, like, my, my one experience... Sometimes overprotective. Yeah. Like but, helicopter parents now. That's like a big thing. But that's why it's like when you decide to work with little kids, whether it be in Muay Thai, kickboxing, boxing, like your refs better be fucking on point. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not, like you're asking for a shitstorm. Well, and kids are like little savages too. They don't they don't know the like... Dude, his kids are little savages. How many you got? Uh, on, on the team, we have... I think oh, he's training. So, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. But I, have, I have a son who's 19. He'll be 20 next month. Okay, nice. And a daughter who's 11. But, dude, Dang, dude, when I went out to Texas to watch these kids spar, 
Like, I'm pretty sure they'd fuck up some of our adults. <laughs> yeah. 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 I agree. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Like, like, when I got ready for my first fight, my sparring partners, like, the adults were one thing, but I had 12, 13-year-old Mexican boys, and do I had never been hit so fucking hard in my well, life. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing with kids. Like, if you start training them at an early age like that, they pick stuff up so much easier. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if you start trying to learn something, you know, at our age, like me and Becky, like, gets a little harder as you get older, you know, to start new things. You can do it, but if you start training somebody when they're, like, a kid, you know, like, you ever see, like, you'll be watching, like, Instagram or something, and it's, like, some kid playing, like, the solo from some super hard, like, metal mm. song, and they're just, like, doing it like it's nothing. <laughs> and it's, like, how the, it's because they started so young, you know, like. Yeah. So I'm sure fighting is the same way. Yeah. You know? I mean, most like most of those little kids have been training since they're like three. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. ten years in the mix, and you're like, "Fuck, man, this is yeah. not an easy sparring session." <laughs> One of my, my biggest fighters, he's six. He'll be uh, sixteen this year. He's sixteen. Right. Sorry, my ages are all thrown off. But he started with us when he was six uh, at our gym, and he's actually started doing karate with us first at our boxing gym, and then got into boxing. And um, he's. You know, 16 years old, and I would not mess with him. 80 fucking fights. Yeah. Damn, 16 years old, 80 fights already. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be a savage. Oh, he, he, he already is. is a savage. <laughs> he is a savage. And he's growing into his body still, so as he yeah. develops physically, yeah. Well, that's what you'll see a lot of dudes who are, like, into lifting, too. Like, where, you know, lifting you can get into at any age and still make progress and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like... You see a guy that's like maybe a little older and he like gets his deadlift up to like 405 and he's like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I just got four plates on both sides. It's cool. And then like you'll see some like little skinny 16 year old just like go pull like 600 pounds like it's nothing, you know. It's because they started young and they're like their body is still growing and everything. Dude. I hear you. My daughter came home one day and she's like, Mom, I just squatted 220 pounds. And I was like, this bitch. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know, and she's never lifted like a day in her life. No, and she gets in there and I'm like, God damn it. And I'm like looking at my like strength and conditioning coach and I'm like, dude, we got to keep going. <laughs> I was like, I can't be schooled by my 16 year old. Well, does that ever make you wonder like if you would have started things when you were younger? Like oh, how yeah. much better, farther along you could have been? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, you never know, like, when in your life you're going to figure out, like, discipline and how to, like, you know, you kind of grew up in mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah. So you probably had that from a young age as well. I lost my discipline probably in my 20s, but yeah. Yeah, like, well, that's the time to <laughs> but do But you it. were yeah. already done competing at that point. Yeah, my body had already been through enough damage. At, by the time I was 25, I think my body was just... I mean, I, he was I, fighting I, pro fighters at the age of, like, 15. Yeah. So you were, like, one of those kids, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I guess. <laughs> and so, so did your, is your body still pretty beat up? Or? Uh, mine is, yeah. I definitely think I have some brain issues from getting hit in the head too many times. Really? The, tra the, the, the training part of it is, is where I got that. It wasn't necessarily from sparring. Because in sparring, I wouldn't stand there and traditionally stand there and bang it out. I would, I, I would move. You know, The whole point of fighting is hit and not get hit. So, so you think it's some CTE or something? Probably, yeah. I mean, Kim's... For sure. So you get, like, forgetful? Or? For sure, yeah. Yeah, I have... Just like, a, you, you have to like now calendars because like yeah, I have to. <laughs> is there any way to like help with like cognitive function, get some of that back, or just like is I, there stuff you do to protect yourself now? You know you... what's crazy about that? You know, creatine is like one of the biggest things for uh, brain injuries. Function. Yes, brain injuries. Oh, it causes it. No, it helps to recover. I was gonna say, okay, good, because yeah. I love creatine. <laughs> <laughs> we can 
tell. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't trying to stop doing any of my pre-workout. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually supposed to be very helpful with um, recovering. That's amazing, yeah. actually. Yeah. So it's like good for your brain. Hear yes. that? See, kids, t- tell your parents it's not steroids. Because, <laughs> you know, that's always like the thing with like lifters. Like their parents are like, what are you taking? It's like it's creatine. It's in steak. It's safe. Just yeah. chill out, mom. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's actually supposed to be really great for... Um, what about like any kind of like mushrooms or anything? So that's, yeah, that I mean, I would assume so. I, I know that uh, there's I, stuff out there. I've tried different mushroom products that have helped to some degree. Um, he likes it for focus. Yeah. Right. So kind of like what stuff like the lion's mane type mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. or like stuff like that. I was going to say, I wonder if like psilocybin or anything would help with that. Like, yes. <laughs> so, like, microdose some of that shit. I, I microdose quite enough of that shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the dude. Other and as well. <laughs> so that could be the problem. Right, right. That, that's, there's the issue. No, it's, it's very beneficial. There's, there, there's, you know, the, the, the science that's out there can back it, you know, and, and a lot of fighters are actually going in that direction. There's a, there's a mushroom. Some. There's a mushroom. <laughs> for the podcast. She's like, we're not done yet. We can still go. <laughs> I'm like, shit. There's a, Argos is a mushroom company out there that you can buy like microdose jellies and I've, I've mm-hmm. used that a few times to to help and it's it's ba- it's built uh, around the fighter uh ian mccall i think is, is one and of you those. can buy that stuff legally yeah now? you can order it online i was gonna say yeah there's a lot of places you can yeah. now and it's just like i mean we're talking like 0.05 yeah it's yeah. just a really chill thing my, my friend uh, zach who's a power lifter is really into the microdosing stuff mm-hmm. and they're like they're really chill they don't i mean you can tell when you're on them but it's like it's, it's, it's a chill helped. vibe. It's been it's been beneficial. I mean, I I know other fighters, professional fighters who who do you know microdose and and the, the the cognitive part of that seems to be beneficial. I mean, I for me, so. it's allowed me to separate a lot of the internal stuff that you know I'm I'm always in my head. You know, kids right. Like, get out of your head. I'm, like, I'm trying. <laughs> Just kind of get stuck up there sometimes. Yeah. 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 And and you know um, whether it's through being hit too many times or... Or is that just uh, a personality Or it trait? could be a personality I was going to say, that seems like... Because I do a lot of that, too. The like. truth comes out. <laughs> hey, but no. in my defense, I've been hit a lot in that. <laughs> and that's the thing, though, is like, in, in all fairness, one of the things that I learned being around Josh is that if you love the arts, right, if you truly love martial arts, you have to have an understanding of how you develop people, right? And right. especially as a coach... Um, you know, I come, we all come from very, I mean, we're all over, you know, well into our late thirties. I'm not even in my thirties anymore. But with that being said, the old school manner of the way that we were raised up in martial arts is, you know, about how hard you can get hit and how like tough your chin is and all this stuff. How hard you can get hit and keep going. Right. (laughs) I used to hold you in my hand right here. But the thing though is that like, you can see like what the damage looks like. You know what I mean? You can literally see the damage on people from football players to martial artists to, you know, anybody who's taken serious damage and the way that they're able to think, you know, speak um, understand things and be able to regurgitate some of the material like when you're sitting with them like mm-hmm. you can definitely tell pretty immediately when you you're around somebody who's played a pretty hard sport I know and like or and, you know and then they kind of like covered that up and everything yeah. in football and like yeah no that is like we we love doing these things so much but it's kind of like what you're talking about like when you get to a point where it's like a doctor tells you hey you can't do this anymore or like 
it's t- it's tough to like you want to just be like no this is what i do but yeah you don't want those negative side effects and right. like you have to realize at some point like we do have to live the rest of our life you know like <laughs> we still have to go to work <laughs> yeah and I, that's definitely a big part of it like so my personal experience was growing up in that fight world but uh, and it wasn't like from bad my parents were bad or anything coaching wise. No, but it it's just, a mentality yeah. of like you just fucking train. You train if you're yeah. hurt. You keep going. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, go hard, go home. And, it's and, like and those coaches that I had during that time, they were doing what they were taught. You know, defending them. You as tape well. it you, up. You yeah, ice yeah, it up. Yeah. You put whatever, and you keep going. That's you work through injuries. Like or like my mom would be like, "You want me to give you a reason to cry?" I'd be like, "Nope." <laughs> put my tooth back in. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, it's. <laughs> There's there's something to be said for that too, you know, like um but from, but it does create like yeah. mental toughness, yeah. you know, like yeah. and, and you know, you're talking about the difference like when you move from Texas to here, that is like one thing I feel like is lacking a little bit. Oh, it's, we're like, soft. Ability to handle even the most like minor fucking inconvenience is like somebody <laughs> shot you here. You know, it's like it's so bad. It's like oh my god, they're out of my thing at Starbucks. It's the end of the fucking world. Because you know, like, they're telling off the barista. Too. Yeah, it's like chill the fuck out. You need some real problems in your life. You know? Yeah. So like yeah, so there's something to be said for that. But also like on the flip side, you got to take care of your health too. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's like one of the biggest things like for me getting into promoting, right? Like, and even for me getting into coaching, um, being able to develop people the right way, allowing people to learn and grow the way that they're supposed to without Because everybody has different um, probably rates that they develop and different ways that you have to teach them. You just don't want Different ways they learn. To take more damage than what is absolutely necessary. Oh, that too. Okay. Right. So, yeah. like, yeah, there's definitely different rates of how people learn, but there is also a, a level of damage that people shouldn't have to deal with at such an early stage of learning. Right. And I think that the biggest challenge is that a lot of people feel like they have to like. I went out. Well, and watched o- some they overdo sp- it, right? Well, I went and watched some sparring, and I, I'm always watching sparring, right? And it's yeah. really interesting to see who people will allow to spar and who people will allow to, like, you know, put the gloves on. And so if you're putting gloves on, you know, the idea is that you should be able to put your hands up and you should be able to throw a proper shot, right? right? And sometimes these people are being put in before they're before they're ready. Uh-huh. And they're being put in with monsters. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting put in with monsters, like, you're developing spastic habits, you're getting, you're taking a, a shit ton of damage. So it's too fast, too soon? Too fast, too soon, and... Yeah, just not enough coaching. Well, and then there's also probably the whole thing of, like, how much sparring. You know, you need some sparring, but at what point does it become detrimental where you're just hurting yourself more than helping, you know? I've seen it. Isn't there some, like, no spar stuff now where people, like, don't spar anymore and shit? There's, it depends on. That's, like, a mentality, I think, but. I think it depends on the fighter, the person and, and the team. So I've seen fighters who spar all the way up to like the day before they're competing at nationals. So it's a way for them to be, be locked in. They want to be sharp. And that, you know, our team tends, has t- taken time where they'll give a couple of days before as a break and, and, you know, and not even spar right. the week of their competition, primarily just from an injury standpoint, you know, you can really get injured. But if they're already fast. really good, I could see where that might be beneficial. But if you don't have the experience, it might be more beneficial to yeah. do the spot. You have right? to keep them almost a little active so that it's not that big of a deal when they're in there. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if you're a fighter that's like so good and you've already done this for so many years, it might be beneficial to like, like lighten up on the sparring mm-hmm. because like you said, injuries or like 
maybe your body's getting too beat up and but you already know that they're good at what they but also you need to keep sharp on it so i guess it's that's a tough call probably we we so the team that i've helped build up we put like 12 hours of work that they have to come in and do with us right two hours a day six days a week uh that's just the 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 baseline one of those days is definitely a heavy sparring day where it's like we'll go to a gym and work it uh our guys will get to work with either each other over there or the whoever's available for sparring yep um and that's usually once a week we can guarantee they're getting some some contact uh other other times we may do two times a week three times a week and that's not that's not intentional like full hard fighting it's technical it's light you're you're working ideas out through that sparring but you need to be able to make the contact with somebody right you can't just hit the mitts or the bag and then translate that doesn't translate directly to sparring or ability to connect to somebody's body Right, there's so, nothing yeah, that really yeah, translates yeah, to that, right? Because yeah, even like, in ju- <laughs> well, even in jujitsu, like going, you know, right. live rounds with each other, like that's the only way you're gonna really get. And, and you have to do it at a level that's not going to, like what Kim was saying, force the other person to spaz out or freak out in that moment, because you have to train them to relax. And much like in jujitsu, we have Ten Planet Jujitsu in our gym in San Diego, mm-hmm. and I've watched them roll, and the, they're they're just so it's so like smooth and, and fluid and so fluid. there's no like high yeah. intent i mean they do get you know exchanges like that but it's really just a a flow so it's like right? staying calm yep. being smooth yeah and, and and striking you like muay thai fighters do that probably the best out of the strikers that i've seen they're very relaxed and like staying relaxed and calm while yeah. someone's it's trying to kick you in the head right <laughs> do you guys fight about uh we do fight about striking styles <laughs> And so what's, what's, so Becky, you think Muay Thai is the best? Oh, Muay Thai is superior to kickboxing. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between all of them? Oh, uh, there's such a huge difference. I mean, clearly just, boxing. Just the, competitively, it's the rules. Okay. From the sports side of it, it's the rules. Yes. Uh, I think boxing and Muay Thai have very much the same love from the people who are in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Boxers are very traditional. Muay Thai people are very traditional. I think kickboxing is that crossover because that's more like the American approach to Muay Thai and introducing kicks to boxing. Kickboxing. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the traditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Josh, what's your favorite? Um, I mean, per- personally, I love boxing. Yeah. Like from a, from a being involved in it and, and the, the, the stories and my experiences over the last eight years doing like the heroes you grew up with. And, yeah. Like my yeah. boxing coach, Victor Zamora, he's, um, he was trained under Archie Moore, uh, in San Diego at the ABC gym, which is a, at that time it was any boy can, and it was like a youth program and it changed into anybody can. And it's a program that was helping kids off the streets through boxing, Right. that kind of stuff, much like in Muay Thai, you'll have these kids who go to these camps because it's their literally their only way to exit the poverty that they're living in that's an amazing thing about fighting honestly because when you're talking about fighting it really doesn't matter what like uh what wage bracket you come from right you know what i'm saying so you could be so talented it's that's well true but that i mean that's a cool thing you know what i'm saying like uh you know i mean think about how many people lifted themselves and their family out of poverty through fighting oh yeah you know and that's something that like it kind of takes out the whole, like, you know, society's intact, so you have people that are, like, anybody can get rich or anybody can, you know, but, like, not anybody can be, like, a crazy good fighter have crazy good genetics. So it's, like, one place where you can still excel even if you have no money at all, you know, like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think, and then 
that, that I mean, for me personally, that's I just I love that part of it because of the, the well helping the, people, right? Yeah, helping the, kids. The, yeah, you know, the experiences, the, the development. and it might change their life. You think uh, about it, like they, you know, they have no direction. Maybe they don't have like good role models in their life at all. Maybe they come from family that where they didn't have that, and then you get them, you know, in with some good coaches that do teach them like actual positive things and like could definitely change their whole life. You know, he's yeah, been doing it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's pretty cool. And, but I've also done that doing karate. I taught, you know, I'm still teaching people. It's just you're teaching movement, you know, punches are punches. Like a jab is a jab, whether it's with gloves, bare knuckle, yeah. four ounce gloves, you know, you're going to, in order to connect to the person's face, you got to throw it a certain way. Like whether we call it a jab or a whatever. Yeah. You know, the, those are the things that I, I personally don't care for. Like the nuances of like calling it different names. And I'm just like, dude, it's a punch. Punch him in the face. Kick it's him in the punch. head. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's also like from my karate background, we're in Kempo karate, the style that we, we, we teach. It's we have movements for everything. Like, if, you know, there's a, a name for like a finger poke. There's a name for an elbow. Stri- you know, like all of these, do. all these names. And you know, so for me, <laughs> you know, I, I learned movement through karate and then i learned kickboxing and muay thai through other coaches and they taught me more fluid ways to hit you know better ways yeah. to develop my power into those kicks and, and then boxing obviously and that kind of just trans movement translates i think universally when you see it yeah i feel like if every kid took a martial art as when they were young it would just help everybody's life mm. don't mm-hmm. you think i mean yeah. for the most part we had a really um interesting moment we learned that in china everybody takes martial arts and that's why they're better at math and stuff right (laughs) (laughs) you're so ridiculous probably (laughs) i don't know i had a student that i was training and she's from china and we were playing i was working mitts with her and she does this like spinning sweep and i'm like you definitely could have like done something to me right there i was like how did you learn that she goes oh in school we we take martial arts as a class i'm like like that's the thing like school yeah, well, I mean, it's like our country's awesome because we're like, we have freedom and stuff, but we don't like teach any discipline to kids. So, like, I was kind of joking, <laughs> no but <discipline. laughs> I'm also kind of like serious. Like, it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to like live in a country. Like, I love our country, but. You don't want the kids going to fight for us? No, I don't <laughs> no, no, no. Could you imagine? Yeah, I mean, I don't like the idea of forcing anybody to do anything, but yeah, I think it's definitely like, it probably does like help teach discipline and stuff, yeah. you know? That's crazy. Imagine if we had that rule here, like everybody has to take a martial art. I think it'd be a lot more confident probably, people and peaceful people. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, it'd probably be a, a lot less of the people whining about their Starbucks for sure. Maybe not. I don't know. He's definitely on the Starbucks kick. <laughs> Better they're just punching each other until they get their Starbucks. <laughs> I do like Starbucks actually. It's good. It's funny. Becky's like no. There's so many. There's so better many better coffee shops, places, aren't there? So, yeah. Right. What's the best one? Kirkmer. Kirkmer? Yeah. Kirkmer. Where's yeah, that I at? I that one, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle. Okay. There's one in uh, Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one in Finney Ridge. I feel like Starbucks, everything has sugar in it, so I'm like, can you get it? I'm like, I just want a black coffee of like, with pumpkin spice. <laughs> <laughs> Really fit that mold. Yeah, I just want some pumpkin spice. (laughs) No, I mean, if you look at all my coffee over there, it's all flavors and stuff. Oh my god, you're one of those. It's so good, though. Like that bone, I got that Bones coffee over there. Bones Coffee Company is super good. 
Exactly. They got all the different flavors, like s'mores and like cotton candy. Mm, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Mint chocolate chip ice cream. You've been on that whey protein for way too long. <laughs> I like my whey protein like that too. Like I know, the, I like so I said. The chips ahoy one, and like you gotta get all the flavored ones. If you weren't into bodybuilding, you'd be eating Nabisco, and yeah. If I wasn't into bodybuilding, I would eat way too much food. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it already. After my show, I'm definitely gonna go like out to eat you know have you been pretty disciplined about your diet very yeah so i was like when i thought you said two weeks out i was like oh we're gonna have a cranky motherfucker well i will be by the time (laughs) i'm really two weeks out yeah so i'm eight weeks out and in the next couple weeks i'll really be getting leaner and then for like the last four weeks i'll basically be like dead do you do dehydration stuff all that stuff will happen i'm like i'm gonna have to get like like waxed and fucking spray tanned and like i'm trying to find a sponsor for the show i'm like who wants to sponsor a bodybuilder you know because that shit's gonna be expensive yeah like waxing spray tanning (laughs) i've never done any of that stuff it's weird what's that one movie the 40 year old virgin oh where they wax him (laughs) well and it's funny because i got like uh you know we're sponsored by manscaped now and i was like i posted a thing with like the the uh, manscape thing and everyone's like well you should use it why don't you use it i'm like well i don't like to shave my chest and stuff it's weird like <laughs> i don't know so it's gonna be weird getting waxed like it's not into that it'll be a lot softer when it grows out <laughs> well that's what everybody told me not to shave they're like you gotta wax yeah you gotta wax because shaving i guess does something like it just grows back like all ingrown and stuff and yeah. people have been like so telling me all the things not to do or to do you know like it's going to be quite the experience. Yeah. Fighting seems better. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It depends. You want to keep your teeth? It's like, it's like you get hit in the face, right? Yeah. You definitely get hit in the face. You get yeah. hit in a yeah. bunch of different places. So So what's, uh, in, in any of your fights, what's been the worst you've ever been beat up? Uh, I've never been beat up. I've Not only fought bad. a couple of times. And both went pretty well? Yeah. I mean. You won? Yeah, I would say that I probably did. It was it more like a scoring thing or just kind of a It was more of a, exhibition? an exhibition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And so there's like a, a difference with like exhibitions. Exhibitions are great because it allows people to go and fight and not have to worry about getting judged. Right. And you learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, you learn your sport. So the first two fights that I promoted were exhibitions because I just wanted people to go in and get work. Love of the sport. Yeah. And, yeah just yeah, love the sport. I mean, you have adults that are jumping on stage for the first time and you want to work out all the kinks and the issues without having to worry about it being scored. And so the nice thing is that with the first two exhibitions that I held, it's like the craziest thing to watch people go and step out onto their the stage for the first time, which is like oh, what you're about to do. Yeah. And like that adrenaline dump for you. making people's dreams come true, basically. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm making people's dreams come true. I'm just so, giving them the platform to The platform. Yeah. Yeah. But to watch them come into their own and to actually have the courage to step out there. It's like, you know, as, as a kid, and I think Josh said this best, it's like you can go in and go to, you know, ceremonies and get your little ribbons and your awards and whatever else. And as adults, you know, maybe you do it through corporate life. Maybe you through, do it through some other things. But Achieving. Right. But yeah. it's really harder to see adults go through that unless you're getting married or, you know, doing something of the sort where you're like center stage, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, fighting, it's something that people do. Like, you think about this, right? Adults that are in their, you know, 
And it's a personal thing. And right. It's, like it's an they achievement. Have, they mean. have dedicated their time, their hours, right? And that's why I think that, like, fighters in general, especially, you know, Amis, when they step on stage and they, they've invested in themselves, they invested in the hours, they invested in their coaching, they've invested in the time to be there and to be committed and dedicated. Mm-hmm. There's, like, some serious beauty in that. And to be able to give them the right platform to be able to experience you know, what they should experience at that level is important. All right, everybody, it is time to take a short break for our sponsors. Uh, the Nikki Free Podcast is now brought to you by Manscaped. Uh, they are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, So join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. So it is 20% off and free shipping worldwide with the code NikkiFit at Manscaped.com. So the thing about it is like when you're, you know, you're trying to shave your balls, you got like a date or something. You know, you don't know where things are going to go, but you don't want to be, like, showing up all messy down there. You want to show up all clean. You want to be looking good down there. You know what I'm saying? So, like, we've all done that. You get a shaver out. You go to shave yourself. And what happens every time? You cut your balls, man. And it's no good when you cut your balls. You know, you start bleeding all over your ball sack. You got blood going everywhere. You get it cleaned up. You go on the date. And, like, uh, obviously, you know, you're a high-performance male. So, like, things are going good for you in the date. You know, stuff starts going well, and next thing you know, like, one thing leads to another. But then the thing is, you whip it out, and, like, there's a big thing. Like, you know, your, your balls are all cut up, and it's, like, all sore down there. And it's, like, such a turnoff, you know. So it's, like, you don't want that to happen to you, you know. Like, you don't want a big open wound on your ball sack when you're out on a date. Like, that's just no way to be. So check out the Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game-changer. So inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is right here. And look at these things, man. Manscaped's products are so aesthetically pleasing looking. Like the design on it, it looks like something that Batman would use. It's like so sleek. It's all black. It's just like aesthetically pleasing to look at. They've done such a good job. So this is the Lawnmower 4.0. Um, You know, the other thing that comes in the performance package is the weed whacker, nose hair and ear trimmer, because it's like, I mean, I see this all the time. You're talking to somebody and it's like they take care of themselves. They eat healthy. They work out. They're trying to look good and everything. But then it's like you look at their nose and it's a bunch of nose hair sticking out. Bro, take care of that. Like, why do you want to do that? Use the weed whacker, nose and ear hair trimmer, because like clean that shit up, dude. Nobody wants to see that, man. Uh, inside the package, you're also going to find the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant because you want your balls to smell good, the Crop Reviver Toner, and then also the Boxer Briefs that come with, you know, and I'm probably going to take some scantily clad photos in these because, I, you know, you, if you've seen my Instagram, uh, the leaner I get, the more like scantily clad photos and videos I take, so I'm going to be rocking these Manscaped things, showing off the abs, trying to look sexy online. I'll be taking some videos in these. It also comes with the travel bag so you can carry it all with you so that when you're on the go, you know, you got to be looking good when you're on the go. So 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming and dare I say the greatest ball hair trimmer ever. It's a fourth generation trimmer. It features cutting edge ceramic blades to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof. It also has an LED spotlight. So when you're down there doing it, man, like you can see all the nooks and crannies. It got the spotlight on it. So you're not missing any spots or anything. Uh, because it's waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You can do it in the shower. You can, you know. So, guys, it's time to take care of yourself. All right, look at this. Look at this product. It's awesome. Thank you, Manscaped. Um, this stuff is so great. You know, they also threw in this beard hedger, which is just a great beard trimmer. We'll talk about that another time. Uh, but this is the performance package. Um, so, yeah, you know, guys, use... Uh, Go online, go to manscaped.com. If you want 20% off, use code NikkiFit. You will get 20% off and free shipping worldwide. So check out the performance package. It's awesome. And thank you guys so much. Uh, use code NikkiFit. Save 20%. You're really helping out the podcast. And I want to say that I was already using Manscaped before they started sponsoring the podcast. I think they're a great product. So thank you guys for picking this stuff up. Use code NikkiFit, save 20%, and free shipping. You're really helping me out. You're helping out the podcast. And thank you to Manscaped, and thank you guys. Uh, go out there. Let's get cleaned up. Let's get cleaned up. Let's not go out there all messy and stuff. We got to look good. All right, guys. Thank you. Right, and that's where like coming into promoting was you know, a thing for me is I actually only ended up doing this because I have a team who wanted to fight and wanted to compete. Yep. And I also was like, I don't trust some of these promoters. So like, how do I bridge this gap? Yeah. And it's, you know, you solved your own problem by becoming what you were looking for, basically. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's how a lot of people do a lot of things. You know, it's so funny. Like they know that there's this thing lacking that they wish was there and like, well, I'm going to have to do it. Like yeah. no one else is doing it. Well, it's probably that the care that you just said that you spoke with there is probably why you're a good promoter because you appreciate that, like what, what you're giving these people, you know, but that is funny. Like I know people that have started, um, you know, started a gym and he's like, I just didn't, you know, the gym I wanted wasn't, didn't exist. So he was mm -hmm. like, I just had to do it myself. Like, yeah. and it's the, the whole reason he even started his gym and stuff, you know? So it's like, or there's like people that are musicians and they'll be like, there's this kind of music that I wanted to hear and nobody was doing it. So mm -hmm. I just did it myself, you know, like, yeah. it's like, there's something that's missing and you realize like, Oh, you're the one that's going to bring it into the world, you know? Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. But yeah. So it's nice because like, you know, the vision that I had, she definitely aligned with it. He definitely aligned with it. And to be able to build it and to be able to grow what we're growing very organically, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, no, that's how you know it's right. Right. Um, and like the environment that we have, I was like, man, I wish I had a gym like this growing up. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we really do have some of the most amazing students. There's, and I mean, it's called the Queens Dojo, right? So when we, like when Josh came up with the name, I was like, cool, sure, whatever. Like, I didn't really think about like a lot of what it would entail. Mm -hmm. Like I, we didn't anticipate. So just for reference, whenever I ended up joining a gym, a martial arts gym i'd always end up being in a legitimate fight gym right i'd always be like one of maybe two girls right yeah. maybe three that was it at the most and you just be in a 
team full of monsters and you'd be lucky to get a partner you'd be lucky to work with somebody right. you'd be lucky to get your coach's attention you'd be lucky to get shit as right. a fucking girl and like whenever a girl would walk through the door i'd be like holding onto their leg be like hey come join class with me like let's do pets together you're like trying to do whatever i needed to do to keep them in you know the system but it would never work out that way and you'd end up going into these places where it would be hard to find somebody who would work with you who didn't want to either knock you out or didn't want to hit you right so you wouldn't get the work that you'd want to get and you wouldn't get the feedback that you'd want to get unless you were paying, paying for privates and so what we essentially did with the name queen's dojo is we ended up actually attracting a lot of females mm -hmm. like we'll walk into a class and we'll have six chicks and i'm like this is freaking awesome that's because becky yes They're like we gotta work with her <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah. But, you know, like having the girls and then even the guys that come in, like our guys are so great. Like we have some good monsters on our team. And the funny thing is, is that they're all so incredibly like there's no ego. They're right. super supportive of, you know, their females getting, you know, the right support and the right mm -hmm. feedback. They don't but, have the wrong energy. Right. It. It's yeah. like the energy is freaking okay. money. Oh, yeah. 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 And we're kind of a bunch of misfits, too. Yeah. Which is, which, the misfits, um, you. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's that's another in a good way. In a, uh, in absolutely yeah. in a good yeah. way, and that's one of the other things that I love about that gym is that we attract a certain yeah we attract a certain personality type also, and I don't think if you put us all in a room that we would approach each other mm -hmm. or be friends with each other. But because outside. of this thing because, you share, yeah, but because we have this common interest in this in this thing in common, it's it's created a camaraderie. Yeah, um, that's pretty special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's always, uh, I mean, that's like pro wrestling. It was a bunch of misfits, you know, just a bunch of freaking weirdos. You know? <laughs> I love those guys, yeah. And I was one of them, so it's like, yeah. Um, no, that's a special thing you have when you, when you find those people. And like you said, it's a thing that brings a bunch of people that otherwise, you know, probably would have never even met each other, yeah. you know, together. That's what I think is cool about certain shared passions, how it can bring people together, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then it becomes like a family, right? Yep. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. We're um, just the most, like... Dysfunctional? Odd. No, we're not dysfunctional. <laughs> there's we're, there's no... Yeah. A functional family. Odd group of, of people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, Josh, how many fights have you had? Uh, so, I competed... Uh, doing karate, wrestling, and then some kickboxing fights until I got to high school. And then I got injured in high school and stopped competing for a couple right. years. <clears throat> and then after that, I was going to make a run with uh, MMA. And then I ended up with another injury that was in sync with my back injury. And I was just like, ah, I'm just going to learn how to do things and not try to fight anymore. <laughs> just kind of coach. And, yeah, yeah, but that yeah. was earlier on. I mean, this they had, I think UFC didn't even have any, like a 135-pound division or like I think 145 may have been the lowest weight. I don't mean. Right, because it was not, not yeah. that long ago that was such a different thing. Yeah. Like having Barb on here reminded me like how we actually saw the whole rise of that thing, basically, you know, kind of in our lifetime. Right? Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, yeah. And like especially like you're saying with like not finding places with women, like I think she had that same battle with like, you know, that wasn't even a thing back how long ago. Like, yeah. it's come so far in the last, what, like, 10 years? Yeah. Uh, same with WWE, with women in WWE. Mm -hmm. Even when we used to wrestle, I think there was always, like, maybe, like, two girls that would show up, you know? And then, like you said, and I know she had the same issue with, like, you know, she'd need to spar, but, like, guys would either, you know, mostly be scared to, like, either even work with her 
or scared to hit her hard enough. Like she needed to, you know, she needed to learn. Not hit her, but you know what I mean. Go, just say go that, hard like, enough. Most guys usually don't have a problem hitting you. <laughs> really? Like when you walk into those spaces, like I, it wasn't ever really having an issue if guys wouldn't hit me. There was never that issue. Like I would get treated just as much equally as any other oh, dude, damn. if not okay. worse. <laughs> but they almost wanted to hit, like scare you away. Uh, yeah, but I think that you know, yeah. at some point you develop a tough chin and oh, yeah. you yeah. fucking hit back. Yeah, because that's what she said. She's like, either they wanted to like scare you away because they didn't think women should even be in the sport, or they would be too scared and timid to like go hard enough to like for you to learn. Yeah. Which you know it makes sense. Like yeah. they're scared. Like don't hit a girl. You know. You know, but. She had to deal with all that, and uh, that was such a weird, booming period, and now it's, like, so different. It is. The, the amateur scene for boxing is, I, I mean, the, the girls that are competing at that in that space are, I mean, they're they're on par with the dudes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, recently, we had the Nationals out, actually out in Lubbock. So the USA Boxing held the Nationals in Lubbock, Texas, recently, and then the year before that, we had the Junior Olympics. And that uh, week of competition, our gym opens up to a bunch of the traveling teams that come through. Mm-hmm. And so what you see in there is just like training, but you see girls in there sparring with boys, hurting these boys, and then these boys yeah. are like, oh, you know, they're going back and forth. And, it, you know. Well, it's uh, a good that we've come so far with it in, in a yeah. good way. I mean, yeah. we're lucky. I mean, think about girls now growing up. It's so much like the perception of it even is probably yeah. so different. Like, any type of anytime you're doing something where somebody else has kind of paved the way for you, you you can see a path to it. It makes it so much better. But like you know, even 10, 15 years ago, that path wasn't there, so it would have almost seemed like impossible. I mean, know? even five years ago, it was a lot different than it is now. Yeah. I mean, every year it's changing, and I think that there is um, a lot to be said about. I mean. Recently, it was kind of funny. I was watching the female boxing card with Clarissa Shields and um, Michaela Meyer. Yeah. And those ladies have definitely paved the way for female boxers. Mm -hmm. Like, without them, there wouldn't be female boxing the way that it is right now. Yeah. For sure. And so it's interesting because one of the biggest challenges I think that we're getting into is um, respecting, you know, the pioneers of that space. Mm-hmm. You know, like, especially with, like, Michaela Mayer, one of the, her most recent fights, which uh, was against, uh, is it Alicia Baumgartner? Yeah. Um, that was a hard fight to watch. Uh, and it, it's one of those things where there was a lack of respect for the fact that she is a pioneer in the space. Yeah. And so as we start to really go forward and start to have, like, really leveled, I mean, it's not really leveled playing field, but it's starting to work its, it's way. It's better. It's right. starting to work its way towards there we start to forget about the history of how we had to get here, you know, and the rough, like the real, like grit that it took for us to get here. And I think that there should be some accolades and some serious respect given to the people who have had to pay, pay that way. There definitely should be. Um, I think that is such a a normal thing though. Like young people forget so fast, (laughs) like, you know what I'm saying? Like like (laughs) respecting the people that came before them though. In any sport, I feel like it's like any generation. <laughs> they don't realize what it took, you know, yeah. or, or how lucky they have it, maybe or yeah. yeah. So that's I think that's a normal thing. But you're right; they should be respected, right, for what they did. Well, and then that's the thing is like then if there's more opportunities to you when you are young, and you don't really realize like oh somebody had to fight to give me these opportunities, right? They're like abundant for me, and so then I don't have any kind of context to understand that like. 
oh, they used to not, like, nobody could do this. Like, it's so, I think it's hard. If they knew that context, they might be a little more, you know, they might have a lot more respect for those people that came before them, probably. Mm. Yeah. But that's why you can teach it, you know. You can teach young people that context. And my yeah. mom, my mom's gym, uh, it's, you know, she runs the gym, so she's had that for 15 years. <clears throat> it's a boxing gym in West Texas. So the amount of resistance and laugh, laughing that she received when she had opened the gym and these mm -hmm. men were coming into the... Into Even just for a woman to open a gym was, oh, yeah. like, controversial. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she's, like, four foot eleven, <laughs> little Mexican woman. She's a little firecracker, but, like... Yeah, they didn't sway her. I mean, I've I've watched her knock out grown men like through sparring. So like, yeah. she's not fearful of that. But to see her go through that was quite interesting because in San Diego everybody feared her, like literally feared her. And then when we went to Texas and opened up our gym, it was like a, it, it was like a mockery. You know, they didn't have, they didn't believe that this. So woman it took was, her a while to earn that respect. Yeah, again. And, and oh she, hell yeah, she earned it. You know, and, and to the point where a lot of these coaches who were poking at her previously had turned around and reached out to her and like hey well, our business is failing can you help can you us, help us? <laughs> show yeah. us what you're doing because the gym people don't successful. know yeah. that's the thing is like you might you have a certain like you know respect where you are because people know what you've done and they know who you are and they know what you're capable of then you go move to a different area you have to like reprove it all again because right, nobody has any i mean you guys all <laughs> yeah. know you've moved it's like yeah. You know, it's people don't know, and then you gotta show them again. Like yeah. this is who and I show am. Show boss. So, <laughs> you have to like reprove it. You know, they don't know. And it has to be more refined because you can't take the time it took you. So you know, like Tim and I talk about this, where it took me eight years to develop my team. I don't have eight years to develop a gym here with her. You know, like we're, we want to go now. You right. know, we're ready to move, and so we well, have. Luckily, to, you have her contacts yeah. and her reputation here already. Right. You know what I mean? Because you've lived here your whole life, right? Yeah. yeah, so that part, so that'll help you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the fact that Becky's been here forever, and she's well-respected in the community, too. Very much, yes. Yeah. So that helps I mean, a lot. she's got a pretty solid following. Hell yeah. She's like, whatever. <laughs> she's a very humble person, yeah. But, uh, well, that's, you know, last, last time when she was on here, she was with Deb, so... She didn't have to worry about any attention being on her. <laughs> so it's like, Sorry, Deb. <laughs> Deb. Deb had the spotlight. Yeah, so. that's right. Um, yeah, but she's, yeah. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> that's just what Deb does. You know? <laughs> the title of Deb's podcast. <laughs> yeah. Deb's podcast. <laughs> we could have had her on with you guys too, but then it wouldn't. nobody else would have got to talk. <laughs> I can't. I, wait, I can't wait till she listens to this. Yeah. Oh, oh man. no, Deb's great though. She is. Yeah. She's a firecracker too. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that the whole developing. It's interesting because as we're talking about developing people, right? One of the most interesting things for me in developing our student base is trying to figure out how to shortcut the time frame of you know beginner type stuff to more advanced and. I'm really excited about like our ability to understand movement so well mm -hmm. to be able to get our students to be as fluid as they are. Right. Um, I mean, we have one girl who's, I, she's been with me literally for a year. She's only done martial arts for a year mm -hmm. and she looks like she's been training for a few years. Yeah. So but she already just has the she's natural a body fucking monster. Yeah. Yeah. She's our little tank. That's, um, she's not little. She's not little. 
but she's a fucking tank. I was uh, doing uh, posing training, posing classes with my coach for the show, and that's what he said, too. It's like, he's like, sometimes, like, you know, I'll have to work with people, and then these, like, other times there's people where it's really hard to work with them because mm-hmm. you're trying to get them something they just keep doing the same bad movement it's like it's stuck in their head or something yeah and then he's like then there's other people where like they just have this natural ability to move their body and i'm like oh my god i'm not gonna have to hardly show them anything mm-hmm. like they just know how to move you know so i'm sure it's like that with every sport there's a certain natural sometimes you know it, it, there is but it's interesting because between like the three of us we're we're definitely nerds on movement right like yeah. we are so like we can see when your foot drops we can see where it lands we can see you know if it's on the toe on the heel if you're dragging your foot or where your hand placement is to the point where we can make those corrections and make people be able, like if i can't figure out something he'll figure out if he right. can't figure out something she'll figure it out right and the ability to articulate that so that they can understand it in their own words mm-hmm. between the three of us we have such different styles yeah. that we'll be able to get that movement out of them in a really short period of time right so the way that it was before when I would go into a gym, you'd watch somebody and you could definitely tell that they were like three months in, six months in, you know, a year in because of how fluid they were or how not fluid they were. Right. And, you know, one of the things that Josh did and it like totally takes the competition out of me, right? It doesn't take the competition out of me. It probably makes me a lot more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, hey, I've only done this with this guy and like five sessions and I'm like, um, if I were where it's on now, right? Like I'm gonna get my guy doing this before, you know, the third session. <laughs> Competition is great. And it's great for people, you know? Right. Then, yeah, I mean that's good for your students, you know. Right. Like, um but that is cool. So it's like probably do you have you know like i said some people you'll see and they'll come in they're super natural right mm-hmm. um but there's probably some of the best fighters maybe weren't natural at first you know what i mean like it, there's always that person that we're like sometimes it's like they have it really hard in the beginning it seems like but then they end up being one of the greats you know what i mean so that can also happen it's the focus right so it's like it's not it's sometimes things don't come easy but if people keep putting the work in and keep focusing on it and like you said making those tiny adjustments and stuff yeah. i mean have you guys seen that at all or noticed that oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. and you gotta have the right coaches to guide your uh, you you as a person as a fighter whatever that looks like right like even even looking at uh jake paul right so he himself was not a fighter stepping into that ring it took a coach or a team of coaches to get him to that level of actually right being acknowledged by organizations to some degree and i know a lot of people don't like it and they get all do you guys all hate jake paul because i i think you can't deny his talent i mean it's not even if you hate him that's not talent though like and i I don't don't say that he's trained yeah i mean he's trained he's developed that right like that's not talent because you know what where he started at to where he's at now that took a lot of dedication and work that man puts in hours so like, you're actually giving him props yeah. well it's not even giving him props but it, it's the idea of understanding like if anybody puts in that many hours and if anybody was that dedicated you could they essentially be level. in that space yes. but the thing is that to make it seem like it was like an overnight success it wasn't like the, and no. when i say when you were talking about like wages and like you know people coming up that dude took his money and created privilege out of it because he was able to get the top coaches. He was able to get the top work and he was able to get the top, you know, sparring partners. So if anybody hates him, it's because of that. Yeah. Right. It's like you, if you don't like him, it's because he has money and he's able to, you know, rub it in your face and do what he does and has the access to those things. But when you have money and you're able to do that, like, 
cool, right? But the the one thing that you can't take away from the guy is the fact that he will actually put in the work because you True. cannot improve without putting in the work. Right, and there's a lot of people with a lot of money that would never be able to put right. in that work because they're too lazy. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So right. you, you can't give him props for that for sure. Right. But I he definitely that. had the privilege of money to help. Yeah. Right. Well, I've always respected the people, whether, whether it was just an ac- exhibition, a smoker, a professional fight, amateur, it doesn't matter, like... Uh, the respect that people should give to those that step in there is should be you know fair across the board, right? Because it takes a lot. It takes a lot to get in there. Whether you're yeah. eight years old competing, you know, thirty eight years old competing, or you know, in boxing you can do it in the amateur divisions of like I think I forget, but the masters divisions. Yeah. But you know. Um, Why do they always call the old people the masters? Fuck you. Like <laughs> well, because I'm like doing bodybuilding, like I'm pretty close to the masters. Dude, I'm in the masters. Yeah. And it's funny because I was telling Josh this, I was like, fuck you, dude. And you're like, if you, you know, win in the masters, it's damn if you do, damn if you don't. Because it's like, you're either getting hit by an old person and getting knocked the fuck out, or you're knocking the fucking old person out. And it's like, dude, you can't win any- either way. Yeah. So it's like, just give me the fucking belt already. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> there's no winning in masters not really you're right <laughs> it's kind of like uh like when a little little guy fights a big guy it's kind of like he really can't lose right because yeah. it's like if he beats the big guy he looks awesome if he gets beat by the big guy he can say well he was really big where yeah. the big guy if he gets beat by the little guy he looks like shit oh, you know yeah. what i'm saying like we, we had a family friend of ours adam who fought a uh muay thai fight uh and uh, I was Baxter, the one-armed bandit, and he had yeah. one arm. And, and I remember Adam was, like, frustrated. I'm like, why are you frustrated? Like, what's, what's, why, why are you seem so lacking in confidence? Like, as a kid, I was trying to figure out, I was like, why is he not confident? And he, you know, he finally tells me, he goes, Josh, if, if I beat him, I beat a guy with one arm. And if I lose, I lost to a guy with one arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's hard. I'm like, yeah, okay, fair, fair point. <laughs> you know? Isn't yeah. there, like, an MMA fighter that, like, he fights from the ground. Like I, I can't there remember. There is a. Like he has legs, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Recently, there and he yeah. did well. Apparently. But he's like winning, so it's like you can't uh, not take him serious just because yeah. he doesn't have legs or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. who wants to be the douchebag who takes him down? But that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Who wants down. to be the guy that beats the guy that does? Yeah, it's that's a not a no win situation again. You know? It's like a total mind fuck. Yeah. Oh, it would be a mind fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Because and the other thing is like the dude's really <laughs> strong. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. This is upper body's pretty Yeah, you see people that have like certain disabilities where the other part of their body you just like Yeah got totally. jacked because mm-hmm. of it, you know, so it's like you don't want to take that too lightly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's like, like a no win situation. I don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? You just gotta beat him. <laughs> like, listen, you little fuck. <laughs> fuck out of you. It's going down. It's going down. I don't care. Yeah. Body slam and all. <laughs> the other side of it too, though, is like like Kim was saying earlier, is if the other person across the ring from you or the the, from the cage or whatever is doing everything you did, showing up, put the weight, you know, showed up to make weight, yeah, put the work yeah. in. Uh, and they glove up and they're standing in front of you, they also equally believe they're going to knock you out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's what you have to remember. And that's space. It's like, we have fun doing this and it's like, you know, we want to be supportive, but you got to remind the person in front of you that's like, hey, that person's trying to hurt you. Like, don't treat this like this is a, an experience. Like, that person's intentions are to hurt to you. Hurt you. Yeah. And you have to fight them. <laughs> like, remember, that's what we're here to do. Now have fun. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's got to be a completely different feeling. Yeah. You're standing across from somebody that wants, they want to win, mm-hmm. and you want to win. 
Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is to hurt them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's different than any other sport. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe football or like, but like when you're playing basketball, I mean, and I mean, they hurt each other sometimes, but like, you're not going to go, your, your intention isn't to like punch someone in the face until they give up. Right. You know, like, <laughs> or the coach loses belief in them. You're trying to like, yeah, you're trying to score points. It's like, it, it, I mean, I guess you guys have a point system and everything, but at the end of the day, it's like, who can like basically with their fists or, or feet or whatever, okay. bash somebody yes. else, bash somebody else's face until they give up. You know, it's like right. body, face, whatever. But that's like different than any other thing. You that's really just I, want to take their soul. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a primal thing. Like, I'm better than you as a human being. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I want to, it's, it's, it goes back to like survival, really. You know? It's kind of like simulated, like, war almost, yeah. like, without the, the finally killing each other, you know? It's like, it's right up to that point, basically. Is that, with rules. With rules. With rules. Yeah. Yeah. Is that L- what you Luckily. Like when you fight, do you think about like, oh, I'm better than you? That's what you go and in, go into it mentally with. Yeah, I think you kind of have to think that, but there's a fine. Line well, it's also like a chess game, right? Who's got better skills? Yeah, but I mean, there's also a fine line there between confidence and cockiness, because right, yeah, cockiness will set you back. Um, well, because cockiness is probably not as much of a calm, like you're saying, you have to be in a calm state where you can like be relaxed and calm while you're in there, right? Like. Yeah, and I mean that comes with experience too mm-hmm. and doing it over and over yeah. and over again your first one you know you're nervous and you, you probably go to the bathroom six or eight times before you get out there um oh i don't even want i bet there's some bad situations with fights for people <laughs> let's see I, I, yeah <laughs> definitely i mean there's some bad there's been some bad situations in fights yeah that's what i'm saying yeah, yeah. We, had, we had a kid in texas <laughs> one of our fighters um <laughs> We didn't have a proper cut for him, and he was fighting. It was a boxing event, so we yeah. he was matched up, and he was literally a few fights in, and he's like, I don't have a cut. So the coach who was in charge, which I eventually took over that coach's position for this one of these reasons, gets uh, his cup, an adult cup, and tapes it to his kid's like underwear, and then gives the kid the tape cut underwear, and, and as he's in this fight, it drops, like, in the middle of the fight. And we're like... It falls off. <laughs> yeah, the cup just falls out of his shorts. So the ref <laughs> gloves up, just go pick it up, and gives it back to our coach. And the coach is like, what do I do with this? We're like... You know, uh, and that was a whole... We, the kid lost the fight. Yeah, well, he wasn't protected <laughs> no, either. He wasn't. He was walking funny because he was trying to hold the cup in. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's not a good situation. No, no. no. I, one of our other fighters, he, his very first fight, we drove out to Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Albuquerque. No, it's somewhere in New Mexico. But he gets to the weigh-ins and he's just like at the weigh-in ready to go on. And he just starts throwing up in the middle of it because the nerves finally hit him. Like, he was about to go fight you know all this build up all this you know he's been training with me for a couple of years gets to this point where he's fighting in a fight and he's just like oh, i don't know if i can do this he was like eight years old of course the little dude but like you ever have a fight like that where like right before it you're just like i don't want to be here mm-hmm. like all of a sudden you're like because you're like ready for it but it's also like that just that instinct like i just want to go home fuck this <laughs> i don't yeah, want to be I'm here like... and then you have to fight through that feeling like mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I think once it starts, so you kind of get into you it. You snap out like, of oh, it. Or maybe fine. it takes yeah. that first, like, strike or whatever. Like Parts you, of the fight or flight syndrome kicking right. in. Right. Like, like, oh, better fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I could definitely, I've seen that as a coach, like, watching that happen. Numerous I think even some yeah. of the best fighters deal with that. Like, it's just a, it's a thing you have to fight through sometimes, I think. Yeah, I mean. I have no idea. This is all from, like, what was that show? No. Um, I don't know. So, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, going back to what you were talking about with um, fighting is how you're making your living. Like, if you don't have any other choice, right? like, this is my talent, this is the only talent that I believe in, and yeah. I'm going to use it, and this is my only means of making income that I go in this cage yeah. a couple months and get my ass kicked. And that's why people do it injured. They do yeah. it too long into their career mm-hmm. where they're too mm-hmm. old. They do. Yeah. I mean, if it becomes your only source of income and you have nothing else... You got to do it again, right? Dude, we watched this one fight. It was fucking nuts. What was it, like 111 fights and one win or two wins or something like that? Uh, that journeyman. Yeah. yeah. That I mean, was his record? It was yeah. so fucking... It, I would have stopped at that point. But it was crazy, though, because, like, to your point, right? Like, he had obviously been in enough fights. Like, no joke. So he was making money even though he was losing. Yeah, but right. to her point, right, where she's talking about, hey, like, people need to go and make a living, right? And this is what they do. So however they jump into the fucking ring, they got to jump into the ring. Yeah. He hasn't been knocked out. I think he's been, like, knocked out one time in, like, his hundred and some odd fights. But the dude had... And this wasn't that long ago. This was, like, literally what two or yeah two or three weeks ago i think it was that we actually watched this fight and it was on a really big card and so this guy had gone in there and like it was funny because the other guy that was matched up against him was substantially bigger than him and all he was trying to do was survive so he would just run around the ring move his head a few times let him hit him a couple times like oh you can't touch me right and then like he would do it again and he'd be fighting again like a few weeks after that but it was literally a hundred and something fights and he only won like twice or something less than all i know is that there was a zero in front of the number i'm like all about chasing your dreams and stuff like (laughs) and i always like will push people towards their dreams i tell anybody you can do anything but if you're like that bad, you might just want to find something else to do. I, I That's like the universe giving you a sign. This is like not. Maybe you're a painter or something, bro. Like, you know. I had heard some people talk about him uh, in the community because he is a journeyman, and we look at the record and like, oh, the guy's never won. It's like right, but he's also never been knocked out by professional fighters who are now world champions, right? So these are yeah. people who could not get to him, and that's part of his position, right? Is he has a hundred plus fights. But if he's making money, then I yeah. understand it. Right. And he's not getting hurt. If he was getting hurt at 100 fights, knocked yeah. out 100 times, that's like a Rocky story, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> It wouldn't be a Rocky story. It would be a very much worse than one. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, that's a lot of... That would be shocking. But So that was an interesting perspective because they were like, well, he hasn't been knocked out. These are professional fighters. Like, he's and they're trying skills. to So he still actually may, might be decent, right? Yeah. That's what you're trying to yeah. say. Okay. That, that's what we I had heard. But after watching... Like, when we watched the fight, I was like, I mean, he's good, like... Dang, that's a weird record. So it's like, <laughs> you might be an okay fighter, and you just have a terrible record. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it's like, with 100 fights, so like, you're right, he has to have some skill level. Oh, he's going to have a shit ton of skill level, yeah. but he, people can't put him away, and he's just not going to win. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so it's like, people can't... Could you imagine the t-shirt slogan on that one, though? Like, you really, he's not really getting knocked out, so they can't really beat him. Not a winner, but, he's but just not, not good enough. <laughs> Yeah, not a winner, but not a loser. That's crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
I still have my brain cells. Honestly, that's why I can see that you're a promoter. Because you just like made that guy's gimmick. You just made him a ton of money and you started printing those shirts. Like, you just like made that guy's gimmick. You just made him a ton of money and you started printing those shirts. For real, that would probably work. We had a we had a kid, Cooper, who bless his heart and never won a fight. Uh, Sweetest kid ever. Very sweet, you know, but never won a fight. And he, I mean, he, he worked, he trade, you know, we had to encourage him in his work ethics at times. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he was a very good fighter and he could spar with any of the people that we put in front of him, but he just could not win a fight to save his life. And, you know, he's got a, he's got a, a loss record. <laughs> it's all zero and I think 12 fights, you know, and, and for him it was, you know, there's times where you were feeling bad as a coach, but it's just like, you know, you're just, this is just your story. I don't know how it's, you know, like you're doing the same work that everybody else. Not is everybody doing. can be the main character. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? You know, and, you know, uh, so, um, when you guys are preparing for a fight, like what, what goes into that? How many weeks do you start? Like, how many weeks are you like in a kind of a camp before a fight? <laughs> this is such a controversial question for both me and Josh. Yeah. <clears throat> Josh doesn't believe in camps. Right. No. So what does that mean? You just stay ready all the time? Yeah. yeah. Like be ready, stay ready. You rev it up a little bit at times for what's coming at you. But, you know, so if you're just training consistently, you're already there halfway. <laughs> you know, if you're just showing up and putting the work to regular classes, your body's already in some physical shape, already right. doing those movements. It's already locked in, ready to kind of get into that space. That seems healthy. Go, yeah. yeah. If you go from training, taking a break for a month, and, all right, it's fight camp. All right, well, some fighters there. who are really good will just party, yeah. and then when they get in a camp, and they don't even work out when they're not in camp. Yeah. Yeah. And then their whole camp is just getting in shape, and then they win. So, I mean, it's like... You actually hear that a lot in commentating when people are... Um, actually fighting on those cards because they'll be like oh well he, you know when he's drank all of his money away and he has no more you know yeah, it's money a good to, story it, they, he <laughs> has to come back to the gym yeah. you yeah. know and that's where they come back to the gym and that's where the you know camp commences because they've ran out of money after their last fight but yeah wow yeah that, that's from like an amateur standpoint i'm talking about for professional when you're talking about money it's a different game like you, you yeah you, you know I, I think there's a lot of professional fighters who carry that same mindset of just staying in the gym and training and being ready. It it it, it, it protects your body from you know injuries. I think that's way healthier. That's you way know, better. I, I think I've noticed more fighters that do take those breaks and then come back. Yeah, they may have won, but through their diet, through their oh, they're trashing cut, their body. Yeah. Their body's completely damaged. They take more injuries. They get you know they may have won, but they don't. It's a fight. You know, it's 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 different. You, right. you have to. I mean, wasn't even John Jones kind of like that? A little bit. I mean, he trains hard. Yeah, I mean, John Jones has been out. I mean, he's obviously fighting tonight. Um, but he's been out for three years. Yeah. You know, and I don't know, like, I know that we've seen video clips of him training and, you know, working. Well, like he, he definitely is, trains hard, yeah. especially lifting. <clears throat> right. That dude can lift. Oh, yeah. I mean. But, um, you know, I, I think it's definitely different when you are constantly staying ready versus having to do I think constantly stuff. staying ready is like the method I would do, like even with lifting and stuff, like I, if I was going to do more shows, like I wouldn't want to just get crazy out of shape. And then when I know I have a show coming up, start doing it. Like I, I, I just think it's always, it's part of your life after a while. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, training just becomes part of your life. And then if you do have a show come up, you're like never that far away from where you need to be then. Right. So mm -hmm. I believe in more. And I always thought that with even like pro wrestling, like it's like, you know, even if, 
I don't know, just like like you said, be ready. Even if you don't have opportunities, you never know when one's going to come. Mm-hmm. So if you're always ready, then when opportunity comes, you're already closer. Like, you should always be, like, just about ready to look really good, mm-hmm. like, in a show, you know? <laughs> Where, so if something comes up, like, you, you're not that far away. On Where, the flex. I think, yeah, you should always be able to, like, well, even, like, in pro wrestling, like, say you're, <laughs> say you're not, like, getting looks, like, your goal is WWE, and, you're like, you feel like you're never going to get there, and so you kind of give up, and you get out of shape, but you're still a pretty good worker, so you're still wrestling on shows, but your physique's not there anymore, because mm-hmm. you, you feel like you have no, like, motivation to do it, then you get a call from WWE that they're like, hey, we want you to come down to Florida for a tryout in you know, six weeks, and you're like, oh, fuck, now I have to get in shape in six weeks. Well, six weeks, you can't really get in shape in six weeks. No. Whereas if you would have just stayed ready and believed that that could happen, you know, you'd be ready. Yeah. So that's kind of, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, yeah. I think the, the camps encourage the, the, the reverse cycle. of the discipline. Yeah. The party cycle, yeah. the yeah. party, <laughs> and then getting yeah. back and the party. And getting yeah, because you go, you go from being disciplined, and you're like, all right, this is only a few more months, and then I'm like out, and then I party. And yeah. that's what, you know, it's much like... Do you guys party at all? <laughs> no. No drinking? We're old. I, I yeah. enjoy drinks. <laughs> right, just yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah. You know, the, the the funny thing, though, is like, so when you talk about, like, the camps and the cycles of camps, and then, you know, his theory of... So for me, I come from this environment, right? I've grown up in the Pacific Northwest, and our gym's out here. We have camps. We do those things because for them... You know, in Texas and in California, the work is regular. Right. Like, the work is very regular. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's such a huge difference from what... And the whole reason me stepping into the promoting space is because the work wasn't regular. Mm-hmm. And even now as a promoter, like, I I need to work on being more regular as a promoter if I'm going to do that. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So, the the biggest thing in Texas is that they're, they're always looking for work, right? It was funny because Josh said something. He was like, hey, you know, boxers are very different from kickboxers and Muay Thai fighters. And in the sense that they will show up and they don't care who the fuck they're going to fight. They're just there to fight. They will drive 16 hours one way to go and, you know, maybe get one of their guys to get one fight, Mm -hmm. you know, and they'll show up and they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know who they're going to fight. They don't know, you know, what they're going to, what team they're going to fight against. Like, whereas out here, there's like this very, very much that whole privilege of like, you know, we have, you know, first world problems where they want to know exactly who they're going to fight. They want to know what stance that they're fighting. (laughs) Like, We have jokes about this, but, like, you don't understand the amount of weird shit that I hear from requests from coaches from when they want to match up their fighters. And so, in all fairness, like, the whole idea for me to understand camps versus what Josh is talking about is a completely different phenomenon. Because for me as a female athlete, like, growing up into this space, I would wait for fights. I would be like salivating for fights. Like I could yeah. not get matched to save my fucking life. Right. Right. Whereas like out there, they're like, okay, well, you know, we have like this huge group of guys that want to, you know, compete. Right. And so there's just, always fights. Yeah. They're like, it's, there's a big difference in consistency with where they're at versus where we're at. And we're, the Pacific Northwest is really considered the Wild West when it comes to fights because there isn't a rhyme and reason for how we do things. It's starting to get a little bit better now. Right, the um, scene's kind of growing. The scene's yeah. growing, but it's still not the same way as it would be in California, in Texas, or in New York. Okay. Or Florida, right? Yeah. Because those places are going to be really heavy. Like, even in the Midwest, like, the fights are really regular out there, mm-hmm. um, whereas fights out here, I would say, are pretty inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So is it something that's been growing here more, and it's so it was rare out here? 
It wasn't really rare. It was like very dominated by an old school system group of guys. Yeah. And now it's starting to um, elaborate into a lot of the smaller gyms wanting to partake and, you know, a lot of other people wanting to be a part of that. But the one thing that's still new for us here, and I'm not sure about the way that wrestling looked for you, like in a lot of the other areas, there are a lot of sanctioning bodies that do right. work, right? Like do legit work. So like out here, if you fight on a card and nobody knows who that promoter is and nobody knows who that sanctioning body is that like you could have a fight, but nobody knows who they are or if that fight really exists. Right. Right. Whereas like in, you know, if you're working under USA boxing or, you know, WBC or, you know, whatever else, there's like a lot of other bigger names mm -hmm. where your record is tracked. Like right. you definitely know how many fights you've had. There's no faking the funk on that. Right. And it's, it's a lot different because now you're just like, Hey, we're just fighting. We're just fighting. You know, there's just another fight this weekend. There's another fight next weekend. Whereas over here, it's like, Oh, we have a card and you know, the coaches want like three months in advance notice or maybe two months in advance notice. And then, you know, the mismatch is real and there's a lot of other weird shit. Yeah. So out here, I was used to camps because it's like, oh, okay, you know, I put my name out on a card and hope to God that I would get matched. Yes. You know, and it would be like eight weeks, ten weeks. and then Well, I can see the value of camps too because of like changing your mentality mm. for a short period of time and, and knowing you have something coming up. It can really put you in a more focused place i think yeah or you could just be ready to murder somebody at any point in time right which is what he's saying but yeah i can see right. that i can see like the the value of both honestly right. but that's kind of um, where like the that's that's the the main reason why we had different thought processes on it because he had an environment that really allowed that to flourish and he is also like he comes from a family where that was accessible mm -hmm. yep. whereas for us out here i can't say that that's the same Right. Definitely just, uh, from that part part of it she's talking about has been new because like she tells me these things and I'm just like, really? Like these coaches are doing what? They're complaining about what? Like who are like they? Like it seems ridiculous to yeah, you. Right? Like, yeah, like when she's talking about one of her, the most recent fights she put on, there was a coach who had matched up with somebody and then found out that they fought in a different stance, like a southpaw stance. And they and they pulled their fighter and it was just like, What? Like you're 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 as a coach, number one, you should be confident in your fighter, yeah. right? That they can deal with whoever's in front of them regardless of what stance they fight in. And the fact that you could be so picky about that is well, such a weird thing to me, such a foreign thing. Because we, we do, like we have our, like Kim was saying, I have, I have a collection of people, a collective group of people that have traveled the country for fights and nine years old, 10 years old, you know, 15 years old, 30 year olds are in there taking what they can because the opportunities are so rare. And sometimes like Kim saw, saw this with her fights was like, people drop out left and right. There's, you know, they don't show up. There's they the, really don't well, show up. Well, if you're dropping out because you're scared, like the thing is maybe you actually need to go lose that fight. Maybe yeah. that's what you need. <clears throat> that's probably what would make you better. You know what I mean? If you keep protecting yourself from, like, losing, you're never going to get better, right? right. Like, but that's to his point, too, where, like, you have to respect people who get on stage because whether their, you know, mom have, you know, passed or they're dealing with some emotional bullshit and, you know, it takes a lot of courage to be able to shut that noise down and step mm -hmm. on stage and do what you do. You never know, yeah. yeah. You never know what you're going to get. And the thing is, is that, like, you know, the difference in the environment out here versus almost in any other area people are a lot hungrier mm. to fight like people want those fights they will do whatever they need to they don't give two shits if there's their music being played or if they get a walkout song or you know whatever else they just want to fucking fight so you think sometimes the people are too focused on bullshit oh yeah yeah yeah
Yeah. I mean, I get it, right? <laughs> like, I get it. Like, I, we obviously, like, whenever I put on a fight, I want to honor that. Oh, know, yeah. The I mean, time I think and that the stuff experience, matters. right? Like, yeah. But at the same time, there, there's a point in it where you're like, hey, if you're, if you have under, you know, five fights and this person has under five fights and you're somewhere, you know, between whatever, like, take the fucking fight. Like, who cares mm -hmm. if he's six foot tall and you're five foot eight? You know, I mean, like, you've got to fucking take the fight. Right. Like, cause you should, and you know, to Josh's point, one of the things that we talked about is like, they, like these coaches are clearly, you know, not confident in their coaching skills. If they're worried Pull about the fighters. Yeah. And so they're worried about fighter. their reputation too. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of weird. Yeah. So, and, and yeah. yeah. I mean, as a coach, we, we shouldn't be putting people in there if they're not ready. Right. It's not, it's not like baseball where you get to go out and hit a ball and you know, either the, the risk of getting hurt is much more minimal versus throwing your kid into a fight and being like, yeah, you're going to go beat this other kid up. And you know, your coach has to have some confidence that what they've taught you is enough. <laughs> you know, if, if, if I took, you know, either, either one of these, you know, ladies to a fight and I didn't know them very well, but they're my, they're my students. And I'm, I see her matched up with somebody. I'm like, oh yeah, she's got this. And I see Becky matched with somebody. I'm like, oh, she's got this. Right. right, they're gonna rely on my confidence. They're gonna they're gonna rely on my belief in them. If I go to both of them and be like, "Dude, that chick over there, I've seen her knock out everybody." Like, do we want this fight? I don't think you can handle it. Like, that's the well, worst you're thing. You can. Them, <laughs> you know? like, yeah, you're gonna make them think that you <laughs> definitely can't. You know, like that's the worst. You like, dude, you don't have confidence in me. Like, no, I don't. That person's scary. Like, that's the worst. You don't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't even put them in the position first. You know, and and yeah. and and. In our in our space in USA boxing, we have to match them up. There's there's some guidelines that we have to go by based off of their age, experience, weight, you know, et cetera. Yes. Um, and and so on paper, if they matches up, we'll take it, right? Versus like on paper, it might match up, but they might say like, oh, well, they're they fight from a different stance than we've been training for, and it's like, dude, that is the weirdest thing to have an excuse. Like it's a fight, you should know how to deal with that. Fight people, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that that was a funny thing for us. To laugh about because I, I i just was like I, that's so mind-boggling like you would so what's it like in texas it's just like people are just hungry they want to fight so in west texas we were uh it was much like this actually out here where our opportunities to fight were were kind of in the hands of a few people in charge of the association that the board of directors right in, in our mm -hmm. region and and those people putting fights on didn't always have judges available. They didn't have people come through to actually show up for the, the fight. And, and with boxing, uh, under USA Boxing, they have strict rules that are in place that you have to have a certain amount of judges present because of what we talked about earlier with, like, fatigue and giving these people fair chances to fight. And, you know, you don't want to steal a person, especially a kid or an adult, you know, and adults especially, you know, they, they, they are doing this from a, a, a passionate standpoint. They have full-time jobs. Some of them are moms or dads. They got families that they're taking care of. This little extra experience that they're going through is for their personal growth. It's not professional. Right. It's not. And that was something that I, you know, I appreciated with watching Kim go through that whole promotion a couple of times was seeing these people's stories, you know, as adults go through this experience and having that moment of glory, um, you know, to take that from somebody out of fear of or, or embarrassment or fear that you're, they're going to make you look bad out there. It's just like, mm. dude, you messed up months ago. Like, you never should even, you know. Yeah. Th that's my thought process. So as a coach, you have to be worried about that kind of stuff or, like, 
Dude, as a coach, it's so much harder to watch your fighter get in the ring than <laughs> getting in the ring yourself. Yeah. Like I imagine. I, it's like being a parent almost. Oh, right? my God. Like, I can't tell you how many times where my heart just, like, They're dropped. They're like your I'm babies. Like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, is this supposed to be this way? And I, I will say that, like, having any of my fighters, it doesn't matter if, like, I feel good about it or whatever else. It, like, that whole, I don't know if that's ever going to go away, but it, it's like your heart just, like, it's like, I don't. I think probably won't go away. I feel like that's. You're always probably gonna feel like that. You yeah. Get a connection with them. You know, it's like. Like those are my babies. Yeah. <laughs> we have. I have pictures of like my, being behind the fighter, going out to the ring or whatever from a lot of different places, and, and my feeling personally as a coach is the same. My palms get sweaty. My heart yeah. starts pumping. And it's as soon as I see their head in front of me moving, getting ready, I'm just like, oh, here we go. You know, and I'm sure it's the same for every coach. It's probably a cool feeling when you see them achieve and do well, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then you probably feel good as a coach. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You did yeah. something right. So, um, what uh, what are you guys' plans for the future with uh, the Queens Dojo? Like, what's uh, what's in the what's in the works for the next like maybe five years? What do you guys think? Like, building out our uh, student base and then eventually expanding into our own space mm -hmm. for sure. Um, I think at this point right now, we are looking at, you know, eventually doing, you know, a consistent show, hopefully in the heart of Seattle is Hell what yeah. we're looking for. Um, I mean, with our own team, like we obviously have Josh with officials, Becky with refing, myself with promoting. Yeah. We have a really great team of like, I mean, my, the students that I have, that we have, um, have been with me long enough to have seen all of the fights that, you know, I've put on that understand mm -hmm. the feeling and, you know, the things that we want to create. Right. So it'll definitely be a homegrown Queens Dojo you know, yeah. promotion. And so when you say having regular shows, what do you think? Like every month or like every oh, few months? Like that. <laughs> every month is too He's trying much. to kill me. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lot of stress putting on shows, I imagine. It's a lot of stress. You know, one of the things that I will do is... Um, I, I'm pretty sure it'll be a little bit more regular, so probably once a quarter, mm -hmm. I would think. I would think that once a quarter would be ideal. That should be good. Yeah. yeah. So just a regular, more of a regular schedule yeah and then you should be able to help give a lot of people opportunities that mm -hmm. way and maybe grow the whole scene here you yeah know? the whole idea of growing the scene um is it's not even about growing the scene right it's about allowing the fighters to be able to level up appropriately right and so you know one of the shows that we we're talking about for the next round is you potentially an ami pro show mm -hmm. um but again it's about being able to take somebody who's debuting and you know, graduate them up to open, graduating them up to, you know, more advanced stuff yeah. and just being able to see that leveling, mm -hmm. you know, and just having it more consistent so that you can, I mean, it's, there's like the one thing that was really cool about doing it at Hills Hills was like the back-to-back -back shows, right? So you could literally see the progression from one month to three months later. And, you know, some of the fighters that were on the first card that were on for the second round, it's like, damn, dude, you know, and you can watch the coaches the and it, it, it was super cool yeah. to watch. Cause I was like, damn, you know, like this kid did really well compared to the last time. Mm -hmm. And you can see where the growth was. And it's just the coolest thing to see all the coaches come together and be able to build up their fighters that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, sure. So now do any of you, do you, you guys have any fights coming up? You'd be the one that would probably have it, right? I would be the only one between the three of us. Yes. Yeah. I'd be the old person, either fighting an old person or getting, well, definitely not getting knocked out by an old person. Are you thinking about fighting again? Is that? Oh, it's always been in the works. Like, I actually yeah. was looking at doing, um, doing, uh, 
tournaments in July and yeah. August of this year, but we transitioned. So Queens Dojo had just opened up and I just transitioned my coaches. Mm -hmm. So having Josh as the primary coach, there's like a language that we really needed to understand. Yeah. And, a you know, a camaraderie that we needed to establish before we could get to that point where I could have him as my corner. And I think we're at a point now where it's funny because I think we were, we're there was a video that you had reposted. Um, yeah, I definitely did. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. So it was funny because we had a breakdown. So we're trying to do this thing where it's a little bit more educational, right? So I was like, Hey, what was the purpose of you doing this? You know? And he was like, I don't know. Like, what did I tell you? And I was like, you didn't tell me anything. And you can tell that, you know, the uh, language is there because it's like, oh, I know exactly. Because he put his hand out to my face, right, when I was getting ready to throw an uppercut to his body. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, you know. And it was me understanding without him saying anything and that my hand was coming off my face and that I needed to make sure that I was rotating, you know, all the mm -hmm. different things. Right. And that kind of communication can only have existed because of the amount of time that we've spent together in the last six months. Yeah. So you're starting to get that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And that's something you need, like to have that kind of um, relationship with a coach, right? Like yeah. for, for developing fighters, like the coaching side of it, right? That the, the language you speak has to be consistent because you got to rely on your ability to tell them what to do in that moment of crisis if they're getting. So we all need, we all need these logic classes. Like yeah. the, the last guest I had on is this guy, the Institute of logic. So it's like this, um, <laughs> it's it's a way, it's like a way of reasoning that they used to teach in schools that they don't anymore. He said that there's probably only like 2% of people that go to college, like take any kind of logic class. Mm -hmm. And it's like specifically is for that. that. It's for like precision yeah. It's for like precision language. So like, like the reason we're able to understand each other is because of like, you know, cultural context. Yeah. Um, the more you spend time with someone, you're just going to know how each other communicate better and everything. But he was talking about like, if, if they implemented all this stuff in schools and everything, we'd be able to come up with super precise language that would like leave no room for error of understanding what the person is like. I have no idea if it's anything, yeah, but it was an interesting, the dude yeah. was like, it was a crazy podcast. I was like, whoa, yeah. I've never thought about any of that. You know? <laughs> but it, there's like a lot of reasons why that is productive, right? Because mm -hmm. the, taking that time. So for like, I trained underneath another coach for a really long time and, um, transitioning to Josh or transitioning to any coach, right? Like think about you bodybuilding yeah. and having to go from, like, I have such coach, a good relationship with my coach. Right? I but would not want a different one right now. <laughs> you switch that out. Like, yeah. you know, two weeks before your competition, you'll be like, fuck, right. Oh, it was they know your body. You. They, they've right. been through so much with you. Like, right. So I was stated to do, like, they know the, what foods throw you off, what foods are mm, good. You know, yeah. like, Right, right. And they know when you're in a mood. They know how to, like, adjust yeah. your mood. Dude, we were not at that point in July. I was, like, supposed to be in, you know, Florida in July, and then I was supposed to be in Delaware. And I was like, there's no fucking way that we're going to be able to do this because we were not on that same language. Like, we, I could not So what, what's, what changed? What, something just kind of clicked finally? It just needed time. Like, yeah. time to establish that, time to be able to build trust, time to build rapport. And then on top of that, like, you're talking about, like, hey, you're... Um, not only a business partner, but now you're my coach too. Like, yeah. that's some like fiery messes. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot. I mean, there's been times where we're like, we pretty much were going to kill each other. <laughs> well, it's like, um, so my wrestling promoter is, uh, his name's Troy Peterson. Like same thing. Like I have such a good, he's like a father figure almost. I mean, now I'm older, so it's more like we're peers, you know, like yeah. him and his wife are like family though. And it's like, 
But there's definitely been times where he's literally hung the phone up on, you know what I mean? Like, just like, <laughs> you know, because especially like when I used to be wrestling for him and I was more in my like prima donna phase, you know, oh. like, um, you were in your prima donna? I'm just kidding. I was, you know, yeah, I don't know. It might still be there. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, he's wearing pearls. I know. I was like, hey, yeah. Is that, is that like a juxtaposition? Dude, pearls are dope. Are, are, are they fresh water? I don't know. I just, you know. I got them. They're super expensive. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> got them from Amazon. As so. long as there weren't diamonds on there, we're good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My, my coworker was giving me so much shit for wearing pearls. She's like, the only people that wear pearls are like, I can't remember what she said. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but then there was like this post with um, the dude that's playing Creed. Um, mm hmm and he, like, had all these pearls on, and he's, like, looking all jacked. I'm like, see, pearls are dope. Shut up. <laughs> I'm like, you don't know anything. You're fucking... I'm in. I'm in. I'm like, you haven't kept up with current trends. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I, but, no, like, definitely when you have a good relationship like that. You know, and it was, like, I think when I was younger in wrestling, I put so much pressure on myself that it would be, like, you know, I would just, like freak out about stuff and he'd be like none of this fucking matters shut the fuck up you know like yeah because he like believed in me more than i did back then you know what i'm saying so like yeah you just and or we just have different styles sometimes and like i would just piss him off and he'd be like i can't even fucking he'd just be like hang up you know like yeah but he learned i, I learned a lot of lessons from him from and it, it like you said it takes time it, it takes it definitely takes time and for me where i was at like i was ready like i wanted to compete but we literally had just switched out coaching systems and teams and stuff and the one thing that i will say is that what's been really great about taking that step back right because sometimes you have to take a step back before you can like leap forward right mm -hmm. much like even though we don't have like the next promote or the next date set sometimes you have to take a step back to slow it down a lot so right. that you can have those logic questions that you mm -hmm. can put those systems in place yeah. so that everything is systematic and it flows forward the way that it was meant to and right. the one thing that's really great about, you know, doing that for the three of us, we have been able to dial in our coaching, making sure that our systems are cohesive. Yeah. And the one thing that I can say about the Queen's Dojo and the systems that we have, they exist because we've all participated and cross-trained and understood, you know, what what the base foundation looks like and how to build off of that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when you go into gyms and you go into different martial arts you know, spaces, they have a bunch of different coaches, but the styles conflict, right? Right. So the systems here, whether you're new or whether you've come in with a ton of experience, there's ways for us to build you up and still put our systems in place because the systems that we have in place are to protect you from damage and to make sure that you're able to execute what you're executing mm -hmm. without being spastic or fearful that you're growing and developing the right way. And so you've put a lot of time and effort into building these systems and being consistent and you're all on the same page with them, right? Like, yeah. And so, like, I that's one thing you have in common with a lot of people I've had in here that have had businesses is they say, like, getting the team together and you have a good team mm -hmm. that works well together. So, like, that's why you're probably going to be super successful with it because yeah, that, that's, from what I've seen, that seems to be the thing is everybody having their role and knowing their role and, like, having a team that works well together. And if they're all on the same page, you know, Especially with coaching, you kind of have to be because you can't have like one that's like saying this one thing, and then you go to the other coach and they're like, I mean, obviously different styles are going to be good. Yeah. But I, I mean, know. that's one of the things that we're super lucky, like Becky and Josh and myself, like the three of us being able to um, bring the different parts, bring the different parts, but not be egotistical about it. 
right um and really wanting to work and support each other and mm -hmm. i think that's something that we do extremely well and it's like so nice yeah so, so you have nice. a good team so i, I think yeah. the gym's gonna do well yeah um is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we sign off for the day no, otherwise, I, I really appreciate you guys being here. It's fun. <laughs> it was great to see you again, Becky. Likewise. Yes. It's good to I mean, your you, voice. Can, you can come and check us out, though. Yes. yes. So uh, uh, give Sunday a shout-out to all your um, your website, your gym, where they where they can go if they want to get involved. Yes. Um, so we have Queen's Dojo on Instagram. We also have Queen's Dojo, the website, so it's just the Queen's Dojo. Dot com and then uh, if you go to any three of our social media pages, I think with the exception of Becky's, you should be able to find us on our social media pages. Ooh. I don't know what she means by that. Mm. Okay. Is Becky not on social media enough? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> she does work. Yeah. In well, social she... media. I this know. bitch. <laughs> I'm like, can you help me with Meta? Uh, don't She's like, know. I just work for Facebook, no big yeah, deal. I just, I just work there. Yeah. She works for Meta, this bitch. <laughs> but, like, you know. Yeah, me, me and Mark are really good friends. It's not a big deal. <laughs> get together. She's like, I've been out. on the virtual stuff for a while now. I teach him some jujitsu on the side. <laughs> He's into that, you know. <laughs> for so. real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, so that's where you can find us. Hell yeah, that's dope. Well, I really appreciate you guys being here. It's super nice to meet you guys. Thanks for having us. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next time.